This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Ricky Wilbur. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. I think we should do a supercut of all the intros we messed up, because <laughs> we messed up about four or five. Uh, but today, we have a boatload of topics that we're excited to talk about for you on the Fast Break. Today, we're going to be talking about the Wizards openness to trading Bradley Beal and John Wall, the uh-huh. future of Markel Fultz with the 76ers, a lot of stuff coming out with his agent and lawyers and tests being done to uh, his shoulders and seeing if he's able to shoot, so we'll talk about all that stuff. We'll be talking about our wet boys. We got some returnees. We also have a new face making his first ever wet boy appearance from uh, this year and last year, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up with more NBA draft talk. The third head of the Duke three-headed trio, and uh, we'll talk about Cam Reddish and if he's being overshadowed on that team. Obviously, they just lost to Gonzaga. Um, am I saying that right? And we got yelled at before. I think it's Gonzaga. Or... Gonzaga? No, Gonzaga? I think it's... The Zags. I think it's Gonzaga. Yeah, Gonzaga, I think. The team from Seattle, Washington yeah, that is Bulldogs. named the Bulldogs. Mark, or Mark, Mark Fuse Few. Bulldogs. I must have said uh, Mark But anyways, like, nope, we'll talk about all that. Uh, if you do like the Fastbreak podcast, you're a loyal listener or a first-time listener, uh, please give us a five-star review on iTunes or just any review. If you if you think we suck, if you think we're, these, are, these sound like dudes doing this in their mom's basement, which I think was our first-ever <laughs> iTunes yep. review, uh, leave it on iTunes. Let us know what we can improve. Let us know what you like, what you dislike. Uh, we appreciate that feedback, and we like seeing uh, people take the time uh, and helping us out. We greatly appreciate that, and if you do have the time, please check that out. But, boys, let's jump into the mess that was uh, Washington on Monday. Monday, uh, story on ESPN came out from Woj. Win- Wizards signaling a willingness to consider trade overtures on entire rosters, including All-Star guards John Wall and Bradley Beal, and then Probably, I think, about two hours, three hours later, story filed the ESPN, the Wizards find all-star John Wall for unloading a verbal barrage on a coach Scott Brooks in a recent practice after Wall and his teammates have been challenged to raise intensity in that season. Wall fired back with, fuck you, to Scott Brooks. Story soon. So a lot of drama happening out in Washington. Seems like it's settled a little bit. Not much has been coming out uh, from Washington since then. But what do you think is going on in the state's capital? What do you think uh, is the possibility of both? Beal and Wall being traded this year. I mean, with me personally, the kind of, I want to say the conundrum going on in my head was I'm kind of angry at myself because it was like, what, last year, two years ago, I'm like, Wizards aren't making the playoffs. These two are going to blow up. It ain't going to work. And then I was like, I'm wrong. This team's a playoff team. They were last year. And I'm sitting there going, I should have yet again this year said, nope, the Wizards are not going to make the playoffs. And this is... What many of us, or I'm going to say maybe a good majority of us, knew was going to happen, that these two eventually were going to blow up and the Wizards were going to have to blow everything up and just start from... Step zero. Yeah, right now they're six and two. They uh, yeah, six and twelve. My bad. Uh, six and twelve. They did respond after that story coming out and beat the uh, now number one seed in the Los Angeles Clippers, hey. uh, one twenty five, one eighteen. But then they followed that up with a loss on Friday against Toronto, one twenty five, one oh seven. Dave, what do you think about the possibility of both these guys leaving? And, and what do you think? Um, you know, has really led to this. Do you think it's just you know obviously the poor performance on the on the court, or do you think you know finally the two alphas got to each other? I think it's a lot to do with performance on the court, kind of uh, burning things up. Because, look, you can get along as long as you're winning, as long as things are going good. It's a whole lot easier to smooth those edges out. But 
I mean, the struggles out the gate this year have not helped, and adding in, you know, the locker room sweethearts like Austin Rivers and Dwight Howard not really helping out. I think the, the, the biggest problem comes from, obviously, their coach in Scotty Brooks. Like, the man literally was walked out of town from OKC because, obviously, he did not make Kevin Durant and Westbrook work together. Like, just couldn't. He didn't have the talent to do it. He, I don't know why they thought he'd be a great fit. Like, oh, he just failed to gain two young superstars to be friendly and, and get things done on the court. So let's bring him here for John Wall and Bradley Beal. Seems like a great idea. Like, that's just horrible, horrible decision-making up top. Mm-hmm. But, no, I think that it's it's not super likely that both are gone by the end of, like, their contracts. I think John Wall's contract is so disgustingly huge that there's only a handful of teams in the league who would go out and, you know, pay for that and be happy. Well, I don't know if they'd be happy, but they'd go out and want him. Bradley Beal, any team wants. Like, that's that's the thing. It, he's just the guy who's more movable. But if I'm the Wizards, I'm saying, he's the guy I want to build around because he's a young shooter, excellent defender, and still 25, 26. Like, he's, he's exactly what you want to build around. So, I don't know. This is... It's the problem. The guy you want to keep is the guy everybody's going to actually pay you for. So, what mm-hmm. do they do? Well, the thing is, is that... It's if you were just looking at this year, mm-hmm. Wall might be more valuable because you look at you know he's only making nineteen point one this year. Yeah, um, and you look at Bradley Beal, he's got two more years of you know twenty five and twenty seven and twenty eight. But it's the thing that kills you is that upcoming contract extension for John Wall, where he's making thirty seven next year. He's making forty, forty three, and then he's got a player option that I'd be shocked if he turns down of forty six point eight million dollars. Absolutely insane money to go to John Wall, and I mean that's not starting until next year. So I would be absolutely shocked if both are traded for that sole fact, just because they're open to trading John Wall. Um, I think it's just more of a thing that everyone's on the table. And that's fine, yeah. Yeah, and It I, sends I a message out there, at least. I, I think the likelihood of John Wall being traded is very slim to none, probably 20% or lower. Yeah. Um, and, but Bradley Beal being out on the table, it's like you mentioned, he's young, only 25 uh, years old, um, great shooter, great defender at that two-guard position, mm-hmm. top 10 player in his position without a doubt. I think we put him at sixth yep. um, in our preseason ranking. That's probably only moving up as well. Um, he's been fantastic. The likelihood of him being traded is probably eighty percent to to a hundred percent because wow. the fact that you know he's on the table, they're not going to be winning, and if they keep losing, there's no reason to keep him around because his value is mm-hmm. never going to be higher. Because now, not only are you getting him for this year, but that contract doesn't look bad at all. I mean, paying a guy that much for you know for you paying a guy like that um, and having him locked up for three years is really good for your team because um, he's not going to get any worse. He's going to be in his prime when he gets out of that contract at twenty eight years old. Um, and he's he's going to be a guy that just continues to grow and gets better. So looking at this, you know, answering the question of will they trade both of them, I would say no, because I don't think you're moving John Wall this year in, in any way, shape, or form. Because what team would want to take on those mm-hmm. next five years? of You know, obviously this year, then the four that are upcoming on that contract extension. I don't see that being million plausible. I mean, really to me, because – I I love these because I just work with the trade machine and such. Yeah, people love when you do that. I've got two with John Wall. <laughs> and this is, I'm going to say for someone who's just coming in and never listened to a fast break, you guys put the picks wherever you want. I'm going to tell you how the salaries work and what players can go where. I got two of them. One's a two-team really trade. the salaries work. One's, you, one's you're a two- using a, you're using a, you're using a. 
ESPN computer machine that anyone could use. It, ma- it, it matches out, kind of. It's in, it's in the ballpark. Yeah, but you don't know. You, you're just making no. If it comes I'm making green, numbers like, it works. works. Exactly. That's I all you're saying. doing. But there's always contract Ricky is troubles. not like a genius when there, it comes to cap salary. It could be good None or of us bad. Are. But here's the first one. The first one has to do with just the Wizards and the Spurs. The Wizards would get Patty Mills, Pogasol, and the Spurs get John Wall and Austin Rivers. Whereas the second one's a three-team deal. It's the Wizards, the Pacers, the Cavs. Wizards get Thaddeus Young and Darren Collison, two contracts that are done at the end of the year. The Pacers get John Wall and Kyle Korver, and then the Cavaliers will get Corey Joseph and Kelly Oubre. So Washington's clearing cap room, basically. Washington is clearing cap to basically, they're taking on Thaddeus, they're taking on the big contracts from the Pacers, but they're, they're one done and at the end of the yeah. year, and the Cavaliers are... This is where the picks would have to come in because the Cavaliers need to be added to this to get it to work because if the Pacers, and I'm trying to look at teams that could need John Wall, the Pacers could need him because you could pair John Wall with Vic, and also the Spurs could need him because you can pair John Wall with um, LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. So that's why those are two of the first teams, but it's really what team could use a point guard and then the second part, well, who would want no, to go and trade for it's him? Not, it's not even which team needs a point guard because it's which team has the ability to take on that much capital. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to be paying a 32-year-old point guard who relies a lot on his uh, you know, athletic ability mm-hmm. and has not been the healthiest guy in no, the world no, throughout not. his career and going to be paying him $47 million, $47, $47 million yeah. in his 32-year-old season. That's mm-hmm. just not... It's it's ridiculous and unfathomable to think about because I mean that's going to be the highest that we you know can think of right now. I think that's the highest on the table for any as player. As far as I know, um, yes. I don't think there's any higher. Maybe who's just signed to maybe Russ has a higher yeah. one. Yeah, um, for with his Ross. supermax. But I mean, it's tough to figure out anyone who's going to be making that much money, and I don't think anyone could really plan for that in the future. And Again, like John Wall, it's going to be easy to take on his contract now. But mm-hmm. you know, when you get to that thirty-two-year-old season, it's going to be tough to add any players because you're paying one guy forty-seven million dollars. So that's why I think it's so tough to trade a guy like John Wall, and it really makes well, it trade you know, for a guy like yeah, John trade Wall. for a guy like John Wall. It would even trade him in general if you're the Washington Wizards because I mean, you're talking about trading an all-star and just just getting rid of salary. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not even getting any assets. You're yeah. just yeah. you're getting you're getting that young. You're getting picks. garbage contracts. Because you're giving up Kelly Oubre, basically, and like the Cavs are walking away with Cal Corver for Kelly Oubre. Like, mm-hmm. Of course I would take but that deal. Even then, like, if you're the Wizards, like, you might even need to give up picks because no. of, because, well, I mean, like, Dave, if you're the... That contract's bad, but I would not give up a pick. No, I'm not saying, but like, to move a up. second rounder. I'm not saying like a first rounder. But I'm just saying, like, you might mm-hmm. even need to sweeten the deal. That's how bad that contract can get. Because, yes, he is a top 10 point guard. Um, in the league, I think we had him around six or seven. Um, but he's he's not that next level guy, uh, like game changer, like a Steph Curry is, like a, a Russ or a James Harden is. Like he, he's not he on that is upper in the class tier. right behind them. Mm-hmm. He he is in the Kyrie Irving, John Wall class. Like that's it's literally those two guys at the next tier. I, I totally think that he is. I mean, we we talk about like old playoff series where he literally gives it everything he's got until that last game where he literally was just chucking for the mm-hmm. sake of I've got to win this game out of pure willpower right now. And that's I, he didn't do it, but like 
He was just drained from playing every fucking minute possible. But also even like Dame's in that chair as well. Yeah, I know some absolutely. people get upset if we don't yeah. throw him up there. No, that, that's fine. I, I just don't think that you like if those are the deals on the table for them. If you're not walking away with like if I'm moving John Wall, I'm expecting either a you know young prospect from you know the last two draft classes or a draft pick back. Does like it have to be a, pick. a high pick, or is it just a pick? I think, and like with a prospect, does it have to be a high pick as well, or just a guy you like? I think a guy you like. I mean, it's, that's like, I mean, shit. We, I, I've been reading through like eighteen Reddit threads about people who, oh, what about this deal for him? What about this deal? Like the whole joke about you know moving Sabonis in a in a package off the Pacers, working off what Ricky said, mm-hmm. and like Sabonis is playing fantastic right now. A lot of teams like him. Is he anywhere near the talent level of John Wall? No. So you're going to do Sabonis plus something for John Wall. Like, that's... Obviously, you need to make the contracts work, so maybe it's that young, but you're but still throwing a Even pick then, I, I would feel like if I'm the Pacers, like, you get, you're giving up Sabonis for right. a guy that's going to handcuff your team when it comes down to the later years of his career. But you career. already have Victor Oladipo under contract. But does John Wall and Victor Oladipo make you a team that's even, you know, going to the NBA Finals, let alone competing against the you Western can, Conference? I think you compete in the East. I don't know if... For, like, maybe a year or two. I but when you start getting yeah. up into that 40 year, forty million a year, it's severely taking away your yeah. cap, cap room. And I think it's probably going to end up being, like, one-third or one-fourth of your cap going to one player. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, that the whole thing is we don't know what TV deals will do to the salary cap in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like... This could all be made like ridiculous if you know in the next five by by four years down the line we're talking new deal and we're talking you know players are you know average players are going to get twenty million a year we're we're gonna make those contracts for like Yamahimi look like oh that's a that's that's the new normal is mm-hmm. like you know eighteen nineteen million a year right now it's at like twelve million a year you know that ten to twelve range is like that's an average NBA player like I don't think that we're gonna hit fifty million. Superstar, I think 50 million superstars is totally going to be normal. I 100% think that. So, I don't know. But, but here's the thing is, like, yeah. when you're looking at, like, even if it's the new normal for a superstar, like, we still overvalue some of these guys. I mean, we saw Bismack Biombo get four years, $72 million off of potential alone. Like, even though there's <laughs> money to throw magic. out there. No, but, like, I mean, when there's money to throw out there, we just think we can throw it to anybody or, like, the best players on our team, and we're not actually valuing them as superstars. Right. Because these guys think they're all on the same level. Of course. So, like, you know, a Dame Lillard will ask for max money, yeah. and a team like Portland wants to keep him around because he's going to drive up ticket sales, and he's going to make the same money as Steph Curry. Right. So, like, but clearly, if you're going to be, if you had an f- unlimited amount of bank, and you needed to persuade mm-hmm. these guys, Steph Curry's going to end up making more money over Damian Lillard. Um, and I just bring up the question of, like, what players are worth even $47 million yeah. for one year? It's probably KD. It's probably LeBron. Maybe AD. Maybe Steph. But, I mean, even with Steph's injury concerns, I don't know if I want to give him $47 million. John Wall's not even close to that. Yeah. Like, probably even, like, top 15 of players I want to give $47 million to. No. And you're going to be giving him $47 million when he's 32. And maybe the cap room expanding, you know, in five years when, you know, that he's going to be making that much money mm-hmm. will help it and make it a little bit easier. But it's still $47 million. Yeah. And, and that, that could go a large to, portion. That could make up, you know, three role players right there that can, you know, fill up your starting lineup and could be, mm-hmm. you know, three great guys that, you know, could be a rim running center, be a great three and D player like a Robert Covington and be a stretch four. That's very necessary. Necessity. That's a necessity. Necessity to a team. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just think that making a deal for John Wall now is going to be tough and especially going to be even yeah. tougher um, you know, when you get even closer into that contract extension. The, the problem with him isn't 
so much and in my mind it's twofold because it's a contract and it's his attitude like if you get a coach that can work with him i think the attitude goes away the problem is he hasn't had a coach he's got along with so you just run into john wall acting like you know a diva out there from every everybody covering the team is it's john wall's attitudes cancer in the locker room like people like kelly Oubre and uh austin rivers even coming in town being like yeah i don't know how this locker room is like a thing right now because mm-hmm. it's just if people had to put up with that shit for a long term, like, Jesus. So I think that if you can solve the attitude problem with him, like, I'm fine with using John Wall as your guy on the team moving forward. Like, look, he's still talented. He's still putting up great numbers. He's still, like, an all-star in the East. So the thing you have to do is get the value out of Bradley Beal or get something out of Otto Porter's horrible, like, poison pill contract. <laughs> I mean, like, Kelly Oubre is, like, the guy with the best deal right now because he's on his mm-hmm. last year of his rookie. So, like... If there's a team out there, you know, he's a sweetener for anything. So if you want John Wall and you're not going to get equal value back, maybe you toss in a piece like him mm-hmm. because you're going to have to pay him a shit ton of money now. And for minutes that, you know, he's likely splitting anyway right now in Washington. So, like, you've got pieces to move. Like, Washington well, as a team has pieces to move, but it's just, Jesus. I, and that's why we come up to when, you yeah. know, Ricky throws out those trade deals. It's not really, you know, like a big piece going mm-hmm. back to Washington. It's just a salary cap well, to free up the— this salary. I mean, I'll, like, I'll give you this one that I just worked out, and you can work at Bradley Beal or John Wall. But like Dave said, that coach that John Wall hasn't had to work with, my first thought was Eric Spolstra. What if the Heat works something out where it's I've got one here that technically works, picks would have to be included or such. John Wall of the Heat, um, Goran, Drag- Goran Dragic, and bam, going to the Wizards. Otherwise, it's Bradley Beal, and then you got Dragic, Bam, and maybe a Winslow. I think the Wizards get screwed there. Like, uh, 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 sorry, I think the Heat gets screwed there because again, you're 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 helping the Wizards do Mm -hmm. exactly what they want. A lot of these deals that I'm seeing are just cap dumps, so they get John Wall's contract off. I mean, he's not even into this contract extension, mm-hmm. and he's not worth the money already. And he's not going to be worth that money when he gets older and gets more mileage on his legs. Like, mm-hmm. even giving up Bam, I think, like, you know, he's not going to be a guy that's ever going to be a top 10 center. He can be a really good starting center, um, but I, I don't see him being that, that, you know, high of an upside. But, you know, I think Drogic and Bam might help you get other pieces that might last you longer or get pieces that, again, might turn into something. I mean, those guys were being floated out for, like, Jimmy Butler, and I'd rather have Jimmy Butler, who's going to be on a normal, you know, max contract compared to this super max that John Wall's getting. Yeah. So I, I think this contract's absolutely, absolutely just, you know, horrible. Uh, you, you know, in comparing it to every other contract in the NBA and just comparing it to then- the fact that it hasn't started – and he's it's it's already a bad contract, and they're already trying to you know get him off the books. It, it's a bad sign, and I don't think a deal is going to happen. But let's move to the one that I think is movable because Bradley Beal is a and guy that is extremely valuable on this contract. I was going to throw to you. I want to ask you this yeah. question. You say Bradley Beal, the more movable one. What team do you think is right away picking up the phone and saying we need to get Bradley Beal? I think all twenty nine teams should be doing that. But, but like, I, what's I your think, one team? I think well, you know, Charlotte's a team that comes to mind because. They're playing way too well. They're playing way too well, and I think you need <laughs> to help sustain that. And Kemba's being, you know, he's shooting like Steph Curry right now. He's taking a ton of threes, uh, making a ton of threes as well, leading the, the league in uh, attempts in, uh, from three-point uh, and three-pointers made. Yeah. Uh, you, you look at that team, 
providing more offense and providing that punch is just going to help them. And they do have pieces they can move, like Malik Monk, who's really still not being used too much. They have Miles Bridges, so having that yeah. future superstar that they can build is you know right there in the wings in Miles Bridges. So Monk is still a young piece that can be moved oh, yeah. and might need Absolutely. A, a fresh uh, change of uh, scenario. And you can also give them uh, money going back that's going to help the Hornets now and also help the Wizards because, you know, you might be taking on more money now, but also you're going to be getting rid of money sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the the Hornets are one of them. Um, I think that would probably be my number one team. But also I like the Jazz a lot. They need a spark on offense, and adding Bradley Beal is going to help their defense um, and also, you know, obviously go to, you know, help them get like a number one or at least a number two score uh, behind Donovan Mitchell. Um, I like uh, the Nuggets as always. <laughs> um, shockingly, they got I like a ton them. of young assets. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philly is a team that's interesting as well, and then uh, another team. I, well, yeah, and then Utah was the other team I worked out uh, for. It was Ricky Rubio, uh, Tabo Cephalosha, and Grayson Allen uh, going over to uh, Utah um, as well. You know, you look at Hornets; it would probably be like uh, a Nick Batum or yeah, Marvin Williams. Contract. Yeah, <laughs> Nick Batum, Marvin, Marvin Williams, a first round pick, and then Malik Monk. Yeah, uh, would be the the deal for that. Uh, because you're giving them a young player to go off of. The young and then, player, uh, a mid to high first round pick. So, yeah. And then, uh, you know, with the 76ers, um, you'd have Ubre in that deal, Bradley Beal, and then like Wilson Chandler, Fultz, and Mike Muscala going over. Or maybe mm. even not even Ubre, but to at least balance out those contracts. Yeah, no, that's toughy because the the value of Fultz, and we'll get to this in, obviously later on, but like that's, that's so in the air right now. Nobody knows. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, you, you nail the teams as far as that's concerned. Like, I think the Sixers, if they're really trying to strike gold and they want to get those four max contracts, like now's the time to do it. Could be fun. <laughs> the, the the Hornets one, I love it because if you can land someone like Bradley Beal on that team next to Kemba, that almost guarantees Kemba is re-signing there. Like mm-hmm. Kemba wants to be there. Then you don't it's have to worry about fact, trading them. Right. It, it's more of the fact that like your team's doing really well. Lean into it, double down, and get him a second piece, a true second piece, because like right now. You're getting contributions across the board, but like that's not going to last season long. That's not going to last in the playoffs. So you need to make a move like that happen. Well, and it solidifies the second guy. Like it does, you yeah. know, right now they're just it's Kemba and then whoever's you know on that, guy that next night, night yeah. where you know Bradley Beal can Parker be a consistent is that bench two. fucking work. And that I, I undervalued that pickup. It's that's mm-hmm. gold, absolute gold. And I think one thing too with Kemba is right now he's 28. Yep. Bradley Beal's 25. Bridges is 20, I think, on the dot. I think, I think he's 20. Oh, I mean, yeah, you're right. He was a sophomore, he was, but he was yeah, young. He was a sophomore. Yeah. Um, so he's either 20, 21. Yep. Um, but in, really, you know, when if Kemba does resign for five years, um, that will put him at 33. It'll put mm-hmm. Bradley Beal at 30. Then it'll put you know Miles Bridges at you know 30. Or just, 30 <laughs> uh, 25. Yeah. And then even then, you know, when if Bradley Beal even signs again, that will put him at you know 33. On and then 30 um, yeah. for Miles Bridges. So at least it will keep you know together. You can potentially, yeah. And, and it will keep long-term success. And that's really why I like that Hornets deal. Yeah. You know, giving up a guy like Malik Monk, who was uh, 10th overall, 11th overall, um, when he was drafted, it might be a big thing. But One you before need to, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, you need to have the, the Wizards want to take on that deal outside of just freeing up cap space in like two years with a, a Batum or uh, Williams contract. And even if you give yeah. up a first-round pick, it's not going to be that great of a pick because, you know, Hornets are making that move mm-hmm. to make the playoffs and solidify a playoff you know, appearance, and that's going to be outside the lottery. Well, and the one that I and here's another thing with talking about trades this early is kind of like what you said before we were recording. I can't remember what we were talking about, but you and Dave were talking about something. You said we're 15 games into this. Like we are so early still into the season. We're like, I look at a team like the Jazz. How are you a team that's eight and 11 right now? And the only team below you in the West 
is the Phoenix Suns, but then I look at it and go, yeah, but two and a half games, they're back in the playoffs. And it's like, we're that early to where... We're a quarter should, into the season, people. Should we be freaking... No early. Like, should we be freaking out that team? Because, like, I look at the Jazz, and they're another team I've been playing with the machine with, trying to be like, how could they make a deal for Bradley Beal? Because they're a team that we expected to be in the playoff hunt, and right now, quarter of the way through... They're out of it. They're the first to last worst team in the West, technically. I mean, no one's out of it. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's <laughs> that's a thing in the West. Like everybody's so close. Like even Phoenix still has a chance. Mm-hmm. Come on. Um, no, I just think that there are so many teams. You're right. There there are 29 other teams in the NBA who want to have Bradley Beal on it. Like without a doubt. My problem is I just keep going back to the value wise for a 25 year old All Star. Like is going to be with inc- three years with three years still one. under contract. So mm-hmm. like, it's incredibly high. I don't know that you're going to get equal value from anybody, but also you've got all those teams like kind of you know setting themselves up for this free agency class. Exactly. And that's the thing is like I look at a team like the Clippers with lots of pieces to move. They're currently in first place in the West today. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if they're going to pull the trigger on anything, but they've got enough pieces that they could you know move over mm-hmm. to Washington to make that deal work. Well, you, I look at a team like the Pistons who. Like, we've obviously been up and down on them because of their play, but, like, they would love to have a, an outside shooter or a true point guard. Either or. They take either or. Move mm-hmm. Reggie and move pieces and, and future picks. Like, there are an, there, there's just too many teams. Well, and the other thing, too, is, I mean, you even look at, um, you know, uh, you threw me off when the you bring up the Pistons. Sorry. Uh, the Lakers. Uh, going, yeah. Kind of going into that free agency, free agency idea, you know, putting a guy like Bradley Beal next to LeBron James yeah. it's just going to improve that team. Like a great answer. And they have, you know, young talent like LeBron or <laughs> like uh, Lonzo, <laughs> like mm-hmm. Brandon Ingram. Um but you know, you don't want to you know handcuff yourself to a, a 3-year deal when you could possibly bring in a guy like Kevin Durant or Anthony you got Davis. Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis next. You don't want to you don't want to take away that ability to bring in those guys in free agency and that's why I don't think the Lakers are well, you know even thinking about that even though I think they probably should. And I yeah. I hate when I see the La- like ooh the Lakers could trade any trade. two of Ball, Ingram and Kuzma. It's like don't. Like LeBron, the Anthony Magic, they know that this is going to be a marathon, not a sprint. Like yeah. They're not expecting to win the whole thing this year, so I don't expect them to even make a move. And then, like, a team that you didn't mention, like the Knicks, they're yep. a team that could, hey, if we got a Bradley Beal, some would think, hey, that's something that you can maybe use to bring someone in. But they want Kevin Durant so bad, they're not going to shake things up that much by bringing in a John Wall, by bringing in a Bradley Beal, the one team I'm sitting there thinking, is this an overreaction or do they need to make a move on one of these guys? Probably Bradley Beal. Does Boston need to make a move? Or is it that we're sitting here, Boston, sixth in the East right now, and we're just overreacting that they're not one of the top two teams in the East? Well, they again, literally can't shoot. But yeah, but also, I mean, they're playing stupidly great defense. They are? So. Mm-hmm. I think this is a team that you ride it out with and you wait, you know, 18 more games because Gordon Hayward's still coming off one of the most, you know, one of the worst injuries we've seen on an NBA floor um, in a while. 
um, you know, an ugly thing, and it's going to take a while for him to bounce back. And also, he hasn't played with these guys too much. Jason Tatum isn't the same player that he was last year. He's still growing to a new role and you know, adjusting to that. Kyrie Irving has been playing well, but again, he's adjusting to everybody on the floor. Terry Rozier isn't playing the same way he's normally mm-hmm. uh, willing to because, again, his role is, role is decreased. And I think that's going to be more on Brad Stevens to adjust the team that he has because— this team's still talented, and we still think they're, they're a top-four team, a top-three team for sure in the East. Um, obviously, you know, the move for Butler is important. The way the Raptors and Bucks have been playing um, kind of stunt that. But still, talent-wise, Boston's probably the most talented team in the East, and I don't think trading Bradley Beal will really help it because their problem is I think they're not really working these guys in, and then changing it up again is just going to make it harder for this, this to really sink in. Now, would Bradley Beal help them in the long run? Of course, but I think, I think even it'd be in bad the short move. term, they've got too many bodies. They've got too many good, not great players. And mm-hmm. because they do that, their rotations are all so short. It doesn't get them enough play time to actually hit their groove. And when they're in their groove, guess what? They're getting subbed back out again. So it's like you can it, it, it is more valuable for them to have a Bradley Beal on the team than have a Jalen Brown and a, another player and another player all splitting the minutes. It would have gone to Beal. Like that's my thing is you take away like a good asset in Brown, you take away another good asset and then like a cap filler piece. And then you move that for Bradley Beal. And yes, you're, you're, you're taking guys out of that super deep rotation, but guess what? Nobody gives a shit about super deep rotations in the playoffs because everybody's playing 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that mm-hmm. argument never makes sense to me. That's why it's like, we all fall in love with the Raptors every year for the last three years because look how deep they are as a team. And it's like, nobody cares because in the playoffs, like every team plays their guys 40 minutes a night. Like it's like Minnesota everywhere, you know? It just it doesn't make sense to me to overvalue this gluttony of young talent on the Celtics when you can go out and get someone who will soak up their minutes and play better than them anyway. Yeah. Why not? I it, t- it's a value trade. I, I think though, again, you, you, what value are you giving up and is it necess is it Jason nece- Tatum and Bradley Beal are already best friends. So like you want to put them together. Is it necessary for them to give up that value? Is it they necessary? To- no. But do you think I think in the long run it would be the best move for them as a team because mm-hmm. the way the way their contracts work out right now, like they've got to re-sign Kyrie this offseason. They're stuck with yeah. Gordon Hayward's awful contract. It looks awful because he's still hurt. Like yeah. or he's still recovering from that horrible injury. But like you're you're going to dish out some money coming up. And just resign Marcus Smart. Yeah, they're which gonna have to is worry an okay deal. Jalen Brown, Rozier's they're going to have to worry about you know, yeah. Jason Tatum when he, his, their deals you come You got up. a couple years on that, mm-hmm. at least. So that's the thing. It's like you want to separate it out. And if you bring in Beal, like, I think it's the perfect timing. I, I absolutely think now is the time to do it. Now is the time to strike because he sets you up to compete. Like He gets you back on track. Let me put it that way. This team, uh, if they're worried about their early struggles, that's their problem solver. Well, then if... He does come over, and, and we don't need to throw out a trade exactly. Mm-hmm. It's going to be centered um, around Brown in my mind, but yeah. But if if they do make that trade, and what, what do you think the starting lineup would look like? If if it's centered around Jalen Brown, what do you think the starting lineup would look like? It would be Kyrie Irving, uh, Bradley, Beal. Bradley Beal, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, and then Al Horford? I don't know. Horford just is—or not Horford. Uh, fucking Hayward? Hayward is just not looked— like he's had it like but are you going to put him on the bench and who yeah, are you going to sub playing in? off the bench well who are you but who, i mean like <laughs> you're talking i'm talking about like morris like, morris what, has been fantastic no, but i'm talking about like like in an idealistic when oh, he's yeah. healthy if he's you're not putting way. gordon hayward on the bench when you're paying no. him that much money and if he's, if he's healthy 24 and, and well. four again sure he's gonna start for him he's not gonna put up 24 and four because he doesn't have enough shots to put up 24 and four i'm mm, just saying but just uh, saying. again like when they're all healthy is yeah. that is that what you're yeah that, that's at? exactly what it would be so if they're all healthy 
do you think that's enough to take down the Warriors if the Warriors are also healthy as well? I mean, I don't know what stops Steph Curry, but mm-hmm. right now this Injuries. is the most vulnerable. Yeah, this is the most vulnerable that Warriors teams looked mm-hmm. in years. So I would say yes. That's that's probably the best lineup that I could see out there to beat the Warriors because you have an All Star in Kyrie Irving, you have an All Star in Bradley Beal, you have an All Star in Gordon Hayward. Like you have and Horford years ago, you know. Uh, I just think it's last that, year. Literally, it feels like years ago. He feels like such an old man. I know he's not, but the the point is, yes, that lineup could absolutely. Absolutely do it. They yeah. got more depth still. I mean, but it's just the problem of like you have to counter, you know, A plus talent with A plus talent. You can't say mm-hmm. you got four all stars on your team or five with Boogie versus R ten deep. It's like, well, those five are gonna play all the minutes, so they're gonna beat your you know, mm-hmm. your B plus player. Sorry. And I mean for Boston too, I almost think about it. of course Jason Tatum would start, but almost with Brad Bradley Beal being on that team, I wonder if what could be a good thing is Hey Tatum, you start, but then we kind of work it into where when the Hayward, Beal, and Kyrie are not on the court, that Tatum can be out there to run the second unit like he did last year when those two guys were injured. Maybe have a little bit of familiarity Nuh-uh. to last year as well, but you would also have him start because you're not going to bench JT. Keep the ball out of his hands. Well, you were bringing this up like you said center around Jalen Brown, right? But I mean, you were also saying off camera that you do Robert Williams and Jason Tatum for Bradley Beal right now. 100%. And I think you're absolutely insane for that. I think everybody thinks that Jason Tatum's going to be the next coming of Jesus, but like, or T-Mac or Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. he's not. Like, y'all need to get over it. The fact he had an amazing postseason. I thought you went from T-Mac to Michael Jordan. <laughs> well, T-Mac as far as his physical. So okay. like, T-Mac was insane. And like, if I'm he like, had there's healthy, a couple guys between T-Mac and Michael Jordan. But, you know, but it, it seems, seems like, like you're already giving up on him. Like, T-Mac was insane. Yeah. It already seems like you're giving up on him. I'm not though, even giving up on him. I'm not crowning his ass. Like, there's a difference between saying he's a superstar at 20, which mm-hmm. he is fucking not, and you fucking Boston fans need to get over yourselves. Like, he's a it's very not good even player. Boston fans. It's everybody. No, it's Boston but, fans. They're just that no, loud. It's, I, I said it's <laughs> everybody. <laughs> everybody thinks he's that good. I, I think that I don't. I think that if you're giving up Bradley Beal, and if you're getting Bradley Beal and you're giving up Jason Tatum, I think you're losing that trade in the long run because Jason Tatum is going to. I, the I think he is has in the long run. In, in the meantime, you're going to win a championship. Are you though? Because I, don't I mean, know. Jason, you're probably getting rid of your third best player then. If 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 Bradley yeah. Beal's if Bradley Beal's on that team, it's probably Irving, Bradley Beal, then Jason Tatum, Al Horford. You're putting Horford above Tatum. Right now, he's not playing so hot, but uh, he's still a better player. I disagree with that. I, I think that Tatum has more ability to take over a game and dominate it. Yeah, he does, and but that's not what constitutes a better player. Well, like you're picking, you're, you're, you're picking I, little points of, a, of what in, in, entails an entire player. And I think and you're, you're overlooking like, potential altogether. Look, I'm not jerking off and playing because, 2K right now. Like that's That game is all about potential. That's the game where you go trade your entire team for draft picks for and you plus. win a championship mm-hmm. in two minutes. Like I, That's not what the NBA is. There's a reason why the Phoenix Suns are dead last. Like, you can't just take great picks. They have amazing coach in Boston. Yeah, but they're making have, bad picks. They have, they have one good player in Devin Booker. Uh, and, well, and DeAndre Aiden. And, yeah, DeAndre and Bridges. Well. I'm talking. And I'm, TJ Warren. Is he a great player? He's putting up 23 lo- and like love 7 right and their now. And team's not he's doing anything. He's shooting incredibly well. Devin he's Booker. a better player than fucking... I'll get say the fuck it, out of here. <laughs> no, he's not. Up to this point this year, if you can cast like these 18 games, who's a better player? It's 18 games. TJ Warren. Okay, last year Bobby Portis was a better player than DeMarcus Cousins for an 18 game stretch. Like, 
was 18 games he wasn't playing because he was hurt or what? Hey, I'm, like, I was being facetious. I mean, 18 game stretch is such a small. It's one fourth of the season, roughly. I mean, it's an 82 game season, so we're talking just under a quarter. Yeah, just under a quarter of the season. That's it's not, a quarter. Like, I know. I know. But like, you have to respect the fact that up to this point in time, I feel like everybody wants Jason Tam to be that guy, and he came out the gates this year taking terrible shots holding the ball too long, and, and, and just not playing team basketball, which is the Brad Stevens way. Mm-hmm. So, like, yes, he's starting to play better now, which is awesome. Their defense has been incredible. Yes. Mm-hmm. But is he as good as Bradley Beal is today? No. I mean, is Bradley Beal going to be better than him for the next three years? Probably. Is Jason Tatum going to be better than him after that? Maybe. Here's even the last eight games, though, outside of the last ten games. In the last eight games, uh, Jason Tatum, 48% from the field, 45% from three, uh, six boards, one assist, one steal, seventeen points, and one turnover. I mean, he's been yeah, he's been he's good. been good. I mean, like, and it's again, it was a bad first ten games. Yeah, and he had that horrible game where uh, you know I think it was like what third game, second game of the season. Uh, it was uh, yeah, it was the fourth game of the season against Orlando where he had thirteen three or twelve from the field and only had seven uh, right points. But, he's a good player, and he he's got he's potential. only twenty years old. Yes, so I mean, he's, he's still got five years that. behind Bradley Beal. Like, yep. I would not be trading. Jason Tatum, especially on his rookie deal right. for Bradley Beal, and even including Robert Williams, even though I don't care that much about that part. <laughs> oh, he's just a throw it. I mean, you have to make the contract work somehow else, but, like, yeah. Yeah, those contracts don't work straight up, but it's just, yeah. uh, at least the idea of, like, I get Bradley Beal's a, a great player it's just, on a great you, contract. But, is I mean, this year and the next year the years you think you have the best chance to win a championship, or are you building long-term? Like, that's all the question is, in my mind. Well, I think the Celtics have the ability to build long-term. So and because because you have Jason Tatum on that team. That's and fine. If Kyrie's gone, Gordon Hayward's gone. Jason Tatum, I think, could be a number one on a team. I don't think Bradley Beal has that ability. He did it last year. John Wall was hurt for. Oh the yeah, the Wizards were so great last year. I'm just. Saying. They only made it to the playoffs because John Wall came back. Yeah, but Bradley Beal was playing fantastic. But like he, they weren't going anywhere. Devin Booker was playing fantastic last year. Hey, but there's a reason. There's let's a reason not say why things we can't take back. There was a reason why he was ninth in our shooting guard ranking because he wasn't winning. They weren't winning. Yeah. They were on, he was on a bad team, but he's a number one on a bad team. He's a number two on a good team. Right. Jason Tatum, I think, at his top potential, can be a number one on a good team. And where is he right now? Number he's 20 three. years old, Dave. Number three. And he just dropped a... 18 in a playoff series, in a whole playoffs. And he just dropped 18 in the past game. Sorry. Or a, a, no, 18 in the past eight a, games. On an okay team right now. That's what I'm hearing. That's all I'm hearing. I just, with me, I look at it where. And I'm going to throw God out a different teams team. have struggles. I'm going to I'm going to throw in. I just think you're say. being absolutely ridiculous about this. I I don't think I'm being ridiculous. I just hate people who want to put talent above where they're at because of potential. Potential is an amazing thing, but like it does not mean that they will hit that point. It does not mean that Jason Tam will continue to develop and will not encounter any hardships or struggles of his own. It does not mean that he is you know guaranteed to be a 26 four and two player. Like that doesn't mean that's where he would be. Like. Did anyone know that, you know, Hayward would come back and look like absolute trash this year? A lot of people guessed it because that was a pretty terrible injury. Mm-hmm. But, like, do you think he'll ever get back to where he was? Do you think he'll ever be a 25-5 and five player again? I don't. No, I don't. Think that's, either, so that's the point. And, and it's also circumstances. If he was on his own team without five other, quali- probably like seven quality starters on the Celtics right now, at least seven, um, like, you're just not going to get the same opportunity. So stats can be inflated and deflated, so you have to take it down to, like, how well they play, and you have to start looking towards advanced metrics because you're not like you're you're not going to get the true potential of a good player on a team stacked with good players. Like 
you look at what happens to Draymond Green's stats as they added more talent. Mm-hmm. His role, like I said, he's a fucking giving tree out there. Like he's anything he can find do, his role in he it. will give away to people because it makes the team better. Could he go out there and play for a different team and put up better stats? A hundred percent, yes. Mm-hmm. Stats mm-hmm. aren't the be all end all of basketball. Like the eye test still is the best thing out there that we've got, and like you can't equivocate that into numbers all the time. Mm-hmm. So when I just say that, like yes, you will be better, you will. It's all. It's all. It's all the point I'm trying to make is. Mm-hmm. The last thing I kind of want to throw out there, and this is kind of getting away from the Celtics no, a little that's bit, fine. is <laughs> I, I mean, found, they can't even make the deal happen. So I found <laughs> I found one team, one team that could make a John Wall trade work this year. Oh, great! Let's please, go back to this. please but I me. don't know if Sean's going to like it. This is Chicago Bulls. The Bucks. Oh, what if the Bucks sit there For John and go? Wall? No, ju- just think no. about this. Think about it. Most of their contracts, besides you've got Giannis at twenty four. You've got um, Bledsoe at 15 mil, and then Chris Mid at 13 before it starts going to like 11, 10, and then even last. Well, Chris Mid's gone after that. He's a Frisian. What if they look at it and do this? Say, hey, can we beat the Raptors? With the current roster we have, in a seven-game series, can we beat the Raptors? Yes. What if they say no, though? What if they think no and flip a deal where they send Eric Bledsoe to the Wizards to get a guy like John Wall to help them. That's one thing that You're I was looking at. Blitz, Bledsoe for Wall? Bledsoe for Wall, and then you oh, would fuck no. picks in there, too. Fuck I mean, it's, it wouldn't just be them, too. Right, but... right now, that team is winning. I, you were not messing with that. And that's the thing. None the of these 11. deals are going to get done now. It's going to see what's going to happen, but that's mm. another one where I could see if the Bucks think they can't compete with the Raptors in the playoffs— that's a spot I could see John how Wall does, being How does at. John Wall help that team? They're already moving the ball fantastically. No. Like, like, as a real shooting real pace. Blood, I'm just saying if by the time we get close to the trade deadline, if things change and they think, hey, we can't beat the Raptors well, now, I think they that can could be struggle, a good spot for him. I, I think they can struggle, but I, again, I don't know how they help him. That's, I think you're just adding talent would for just talent's be, sake. He would just be a better talent than Eric Bledsoe. But also it's a different Whole, it's a whole different chemistry then. It's a whole different environment that you're bringing in and changing. You're, it might be adding more talent, but you're also adding more volatility to that team. Right now, that team's working. And, so, and right now, again, it's not so really by the— So that, no, John Wall's it's, cancer. That's what that meant. Right now, he's a locker room cancer. In some ways, yes. We talked about but, it. So. But I think I don't think I'm not saying like John Wall will destroy the Bucks in, in, yeah. in an instant, but I think it will definitely— be harder for the Bucks to win games, mm-hmm. especially starting off. And I don't know if it's going to take them from, you know, here, like a, a tier two team, all the way up to a tier one team. Um, and right now, I think they're probably on tier two with the Toronto Raptors. Like, I don't think that you're going to change the, that team that much by adding John Wall, because John Wall then has to learn the system. He has to learn in playing in that system. Right now, Bledsoe's doing that. Bledsoe's fitting into the system, and they don't need John Wall to play hero ball. Like, can John Wall hit more game-winning shots and be more uh, you know, clutch down the line than Eric Bledsoe? 100%. But also, Eric Bledsoe's a better defender. He can still move the ball. He's a great passer. Mm-hmm. He's a big body that can drive to the lane. And he's a good shooter from the outside as well, and John Wall is as well. But I think it really, it's just adding talent. Like, it's, it's adding a name and hoping it does better. It's like when you can buy, you know, name brand milk, like you could buy Dean's or you could buy like the just like the Roundies like grocery mm-hmm. store from Mariano's brand, you're still getting milk. Yeah. Like like and and it, the thing you might like I, I don't think you're adding anything besides not, the name. Not saying they should. I'm just saying as the season develops, if they f- I, uh, start to feel like hey, we can't compete with the Raptors, 
could be an option they look to. Not saying they should, not saying they will. I don't think any team like we'll we, trade the, for John the Wall. only way I think we the saw do it. Like the only way we saw Blake Griffin. Yes. The only way we saw Blake Griffin get moved for the Clippers was because mm-hmm. Stan Van was like, "All right, I'm losing my job," and that was the only d- way that deal was made. And unless a, a, a coach, you know, unless like Thibs is thinking yeah, that, too bad or a GM's thinking trades. that way. I mean, you know, Wiggins, Akogi, uh, first rounder, and like, something else. Like I, that's the only way I think I see something happening is like if they are mm-hmm. that desperate that they need to make a move. Yeah, I mean, that's, I don't that's think right. any sane. Playoff team is going to be doing that. That's why I want the Bulls to do it. We, I, I told you guys this before we started recording. They can't attract free agents. It's, mm-hmm. it's something we're, we've been terrible at historically. We have assets and we have uh, money to spend. Why not take a runner on John Wall? Like, yes, he doesn't fit the timeline exactly, mm-hmm. but John Wall, Zach Levine, Lowry Markkinen, Wendell Carter Jr., like, by the end of his contract or the probably the third year, second, third year of his contract, like, we should be a playoff team the second year of his contract. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying, like, there, there's a team. I wouldn't eat. hate it, but we I'm not asking to do it. We have assets, and we can't get anybody mm-hmm. in free agency, so why wouldn't we take a flyer on him? I'm putting – I'm still pissed off about this Jason Tatum-Bradley <laughs> Beal thing. So I'm putting up a thing on our Twitter <laughs> at Most Valuable Pod. Would you rather have uh, <laughs> No, would you trade Jason Tatum for Bradley Beal? Oh, okay. Oh, um, man. Yeah, would you trade Jason Tatum for Bradley Beal? That's the right yeah. word, wording. All right. Um, I'd so rather than play together because they're buddies, but, you know, like I said, kick out that, uh, that Jalen Brown kid. Just, the no talent scrub. <laughs> pissing me off. <laughs> um, them, but, like, I, I'm just saying. Go ahead. Uh, I think that, that if they could move Brown and another piece to, to fit contract in, like, I think that would be the best, the best fit for both teams because it gets the Wizards back, a young mm-hmm. uh, potential star. And it gets the Celtics right back into the thick of things at the top of the East. I think I'm going to have an aneurysm if we keep talking about this. So let's uh, wrap <laughs> it up. Um, we got John Wall. Uh, like, what? Give give me a percentage of what he was traded. I said twenty to zero. I'm more like after talking to myself. I'm thinking like ten to zero percent chance that I'm he's going to say get twenty traded. to thirty, twenty five to thirty percent for John Wall. Approximately twenty two percent. Okay, I like it. Uh, and then Bradley Beal, uh, what do you think is the most likely landing spot that he is going to go, and does he get traded this year? I'm going to say Boston. I'm going to say Boston's my one word. the most get, likely 80% he gets traded this year. He's wow. the one that goes. I like the Charlotte one. You guys kind of talked me into that one. And I'm going to say only 40% chance he actually gets traded. Why, that? Why solo? I just... This has been a bad GM. Like, why do we expect him to make the right moves now? Because money's calling, and your owners being like, because I mean, the, the, this like is the thing. Now, now you're actually getting up to that John Wall safe. contract. That's, you know? but you're also getting up to that John Wall contract. But now that's going to push over next year. Yeah. And now you have to make all of this work. And I think that's going to be such a struggle. Where yeah. you, when you start dealing with money and a team that's out winning, mm-hmm. it's going to be hard for an owner to justify spending that money. That's why I think a deal is Phoenix going to happen. Suns and any interest in like a John Wall? I just that's one team there that we didn't toss out. One uh, and and uh, Andy Bailey, uh, who is does uh, NBA hardwood. Uh, Threw one out on Twitter. I don't know what you guys think about it, but he did throw one out. Uh, purely a money-saving cap sheet, restructuring move for the Wizards. Trevor Ariza's deal is expiring. You get John Wall's contract free and clear. Deal can't happen until December 15th because of Ariza's contract, but it's literally just Ariza for John Wall straight up. Wow. Hmm. I'm interesting. And again, like that's what I was saying. Like all the all the moves for John Wall right now they have no value coming back. Are just cap moves. Wow. That's all they are, and well, that's crazy. Maybe to think about that's what it's going to have to be for the Wizards. Is as long as we get that cap off, we're good. 
Like they're not going to expect anything mm-hmm. in return. To Parker but even, for John Wall. Even then with Phoenix, it's like you're gonna you already locked down Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You you then have John Wall locked down, but also then what? And you then you have Aiton for four years, and then you yeah, have Mikael Bridges for four years. But yep. you're going to have to work in that window to win. And four I don't years, think that's going to happen. You've got Devin Booker already putting up twenty plus points a night. You've got Aiton putting up like eighteen and twelve. Like mm-hmm. I don't think it. Look, the West is just crazy. So I don't know that you realistically stand a chance, but they would be in the thick of things. Yeah, I like Utah um, a lot for Bradley Beal. I think it's going to happen. I think he's most likely going to be traded. I would say probably eighty to hundred percent. Wow. Like I said, yeah. probably just cut it in the middle. Say at ninety. Um, I also would like to see Dallas possibly make a move. If they're able to get rid of Wes Matthews' contract, because that's a one-year deal, yeah. so they'd be able to get rid of that. The Wizards would be able to get rid of that. Um, they shoot a lot of threes, but are like in the middle of the pack when it comes to actual three-point percentage. If you're able to pair up Dennis Smith Jr., Bradley Beal, and Luca with Harrison Barnes, Dirk, you got uh, De- uh, DeAndre as well. You even got uh, JJ Barea, Barea what a playoff uh, team. Dorian uh, Finney-Smith as well. I think it'd just be fun, you know, yeah. to see because again, Bradley Beal's so young that you can still make moves again later down the road uh, to help this team and possibly make the playoffs in, in a couple of years. And I think with the way Luka's going, he's going to be probably an all-star next year. Um, and, you know, having Bradley Beal, who's already an all-star, is just going to make it easier. Um, but Hornets would be fun, too, because obviously we, will, we would love to see uh, Kemba get some love here. But uh, that's going to do it for the Bradley Beal-John Wall discussion. Did not expect it to go 53 minutes, but it did. Um, <laughs> I think it will actually, if we cut the seven minutes of intro mm-hmm. <laughs> that we had, it will be a little bit around 40. But let us know what you think about John Wall and Bradley Beal. Let us know what you think about Jason Tatum for Bradley Beal. Uh, go to our Twitter at Most Valuable Pod. Um, let us know if you think John Wall is going to get moved. You don't know, know if you think Bradley Beal is going to get moved. Um, and where do you think they will end up as landing spots? But let's move into the next topic, and it's a guy we mentioned in the Bradley Beal-John Wall discussion, Markel Fultz. Would he possibly be included in a Bradley Beal deal? Um, But he's got a lot of news covering him, and it's going to take a little bit for me to give it all out if you haven't heard about it. So let's just jump into it. Woj tweeted out Raymond Brothers, the agent for Sixers guard Markel Fultz, tells ESPN, I have given no indication to Elton Brand or anyone else that Markel would would prefer to be traded. My focus is to get Markel healthy. End of story. On Tuesday, it was recorded reported that Fultz would not participate in upcoming Sixers practices or games until after seeing a shoulder specialist next week. Brothers reportedly made the call to withhold Fultz from activity. Uh, Sixers coach Brett Brown said Tuesday he was surprised to learn Fultz needed to see a specialist, but the team supports his decision. Uh, there's also news that he has a wrist injury as well. Um, and we just have a lot of going on. The Sixers also said they've seen three doctors or have Markel have had Markel see three doctors. All of them said his shoulders is absolutely fine. Now they have this wrist deal. Um, there were, there were rumors that he did request a trade. So a lot floating around that there were trade requests. Woj saying no, and also the agent for uh, Fultz saying no. There might be a shoulder injury. There might be a wrist injury. And Fultz is stepping away at least for a little bit uh, to check if he is healthy, um, you know, stepping away from games and practices. So what are you taking away from all of this stuff with Markel Fultz? Because it's just another year and more drama. He's a bust. At this point, that's what I'm th- like. That is what I am thinking. And the reason why I say that is not like he can't come back from this because he can't. If he comes back from it, then foot in my mouth. I'm wrong for even saying the B word. But right now he's got bust written them all over him because Let's say this year he does not. He steps away, doesn't play this year. Pulls a Kawhi. Pulls a Kawhi. Comes back next year. Jesus Christ. That means the 76ers have one year basically to say, 
well, do we keep him another year? Do we not? And like based off of everything that's going on, if he doesn't play this year and doesn't play well, that just to me thinks that first off, I think it's all mentally anyways with um, Markel because there's some shots he can hit. The ones that are muscle memory, he can hit. The ones that he's got to think about, he can't. And the 76ers got to make a decision. After next year, they're going to owe him about $12.2 million. So do they take that option or do they don't? And right now it's looking like he might be not a Sixer sooner than he would stay a Sixer. Yeah, it's crazy that he's kind of getting to that Anthony Bennett territory mm-hmm. where they might be declining that option for a, for a number one overall pick. Yikes. But it's getting to that, Dave. I mean, again, he's not... I think a foregone case as Anthony Bennett was because Anthony yeah. Bennett looked absolutely terrible out there. Fultz, we still have some hope. Yeah, uh, he's, he's, some people do. Other aspects of his game are good. Yeah, I mean, it's he could just, still it's not you know play D. He could still drive, but he's a decent facilitator. Like, yeah, the, the problem is it's just you know you can't have another point guard who can't shoot on that team. That role's already taken, so mm-hmm. it it really puts the Sixers in a rough position. I don't I don't want to call him a bust yet. I think that not everyone's. Uh, career is going to go on the same trajectory. I think that he might have a rough start to his career, but he has all the talent and all the physicals to play better. Like one of the guys that I always love looking back at, like is Kyle Lowry. Like there's a dude who started off again. He was a much later pick. He was like 24th overall, but he's a guy who started off playing in Memphis for two years, played terribly and not terribly, just not great. You know, six points his first year, uh, nine his second year, couple middling years out up until he got to Houston, still roughly under 10 points a game. It took him until he was 28 to become an all-star. His breakout season was at 27. Like, there's not everybody's going to have the same career arc, but, like, with Markel, he has enough pieces to the game where he has value still. He's a great prospect to a lot of teams, and honestly, I look at this Sixers team and I go, there's any team that can sit around and have him be on there without, you know, eating up their time? Potentially, that's one of the teams where it's like they don't feel bad about it because they can still win games without him. They didn't. They weren't depending on him to come in and carry this team. They were depending mm-hmm. on him to be that third or fourth guy on the team. They can go find that elsewhere. Yeah, my my thing with him is, you know, Ricky's saying bust, and you're saying you know it's too early to call him a bust. I think it wouldn't be wrong to say Philadelphia fans could say he is a bust just because. Again, that doesn't mean he's a bust for his career, and right. he can never be anything in his career. But with what you gave up to acquire him, all the assets you have put into him, all what, the time you did put into him. A first round pick? That's what they gave up for him? And also Jason Tatum. I mean, well, you, there, there's two. I, I, I understand whatever. that it's a, it was a trade swap, but it ends up being Jason Tatum yeah. and that pick for Markel Fultz. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, scouting-wise, nobody outside of Danny Ainge had, you know— Jason Tatum over Mark Helfels. Mark Helfels mm-hmm. was by far and away the clear number one pick, and nobody can go back in time and tell you differently. Like, that's exactly what the story was. It was, here's the one, and then here's everybody else. And I, again, I'm not saying that. So, like, uh, you can't revisionist history that one on me. I don't I don't well, like that argument. But, but it, no, again, but I'm just saying, again, that's what the trade ends up coming out. When yeah. you look at that trade detail, it's right. number one for number three. Who was yep. the number one pick? Mark Helfels. Who was the number three Pick, it was Jason, Jason Tatum. Tatum. You yep. did not have to make that move. Yep. Again, you didn't have to go up and get Markel Fultz. You went up and took him, and yep. I don't think anyone's saying at that time that you should have taken Jason Tatum. I'm not saying that. Yep. But you also didn't have to go up and trade for the number one overall pick. So it's you true. could have forced them to possibly take Jason Tatum. And then maybe Fultz falls to you. Maybe Lonzo Ball falls, falls to you. You don't know who's going to end up yeah. happening, but you didn't have to go up and give future assets and that third pick 
up. You True. made that move to go up and get Markel Fultz. And if he's not going to be on your team and Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer, a very trusted beat writer from Philadelphia, is now saying that the Sixers no longer consider Fultz to be in their long-term plans. Some sources say uh, have said that despite the team statement, Fultz is no longer in the Sixers' long-term plans, and they n- are no longer using his shoulder as an excuse for his performance. So, I mean, this is a team that's already over the guy that they put those assets yeah. into. And again, I think it's fair if he doesn't pan out and he does end up moving all, all away from the Philadelphia 76ers yeah. that he can be a bust in the Sixers franchise storyline. That's fair. Um, again, he's only 20 years old. So if yeah. I'm saying, you know, if we're if, you know going back to that last segment, you know, Bradley Beal for Jason Tatum is absurd because of the potential that mm-hmm. Tatum has. I think I have to give that to Fultz as well because, to, you know, Fultz is, again, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. He never had the showing out that Tatum did last year of, you know, shooting 55% from the th- from three or whatever the fuck he did. He did his he was show insane. in college, yeah. Um, from three. Uh, no, I'm just saying for Tatum. Yeah, no, for Tatum, like, he, he didn't, have, yeah, he didn't like, have the NBA, yeah. um, you know, at least success so far. Um, but Fultz at least is still young, and I, I absolutely love him coming out of college. And if it is mental, it might be able to something that, that is fixed. So I look at this, and I wouldn't say he— is a bust like for his career, mm-hmm. but I'm also not saying that he he's not a bust in some ways. And with all of this, I just don't see how he can be a Philadelphia 76er. And in some ways, I think you can liken this to the Josh Gordon situation in Cleveland, where you know maybe this isn't the biggest thing that happened with Markel Fultz. Maybe this isn't you know the biggest end all be all for Markel Fultz in Philadelphia. But it just might be the thing where Philadelphia is ready to move on. They have mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler, they have Ben Simmons, they have Joel Embiid. They have their big three. Yep. It's time to move on and get players that are going to help us win. Because Markel Fultz, he might be able to help us win, but also he's giving us a major headache, and we just need to get this distraction off the team so we can focus on the team. I mean, it's not the 76ers and Markel Fultz. It is the 76ers, and it is our chase for the, the, the NBA title. And I think that is something that might end up happening, maybe not right now, because maybe they do help him get reevaluated. Maybe he does have an injury to his wrist, and maybe that's why he is uh, performing poorly and can't, you know, pump faking at the free throw line, doing <laughs> this practice and yeah. you know, firing up a, a well, shot. I, I think that the tipping point could come soon, and I wouldn't be shocked if he's not on the team at the end of the year. Well, and kind of the thing that Dave said, like the 76ers don't need to panic with him right now, and that's because they got Jimmy Butler, they got Ben Simmons, they have Joe. Like, they don't need him out there to win games, but that time is coming soon. The time that you're talking about, Sean, is coming sooner rather than later because basically you've got two years. You've got this year and next year to basically, I'm going to say it this way. It's going to sound bad, but this is just the blunt way to say it, to get your shit together. And, like, the quicker that Markel can figure out, is it a wrist? Do I need to do what Charles Barkley said and go see a sports psychiatrist yes. so that I can help get my shot in order? Because with the 76ers, money-wise, you got to be thinking of this. Joe's locked down. End of this year, Jimmy's going to be getting his contract. Then at the end of next year, Ben's going to be wanting his money. And I'm telling you, if I'm already giving money to Joe, already giving money to Jimmy, and i got to sign Ben Simmons, I'm not paying Markel Fultz $12 million with what I've seen so far. The other domino that doesn't be, it's not good for Markel, is what if Zaire Smith comes out next year after his injury and balls out? And then they go, you know what? Let's keep Zaire around because we have two club options with him at three and four million respectively. 
And it's a lot cheaper than what we'd be well, paying Markel to be around. Is, I don't even think it's a money issue. I know you're bringing up the stuff with the contract extension mm-hmm. signing. The only, I mean, the twelve million for what he's been doing is kind of yeah, huge. But, but also, you, you have that you have that ability to work with that because mm-hmm. again, the way the, those your deals are structured, they're yeah. worked into your their deal. So it's not like bringing a free agent on. You can go over the, the salary cap mm-hmm. because he's already a guy that you signed. He's a rookie deal. Right. Like you're allowed to have those rookie contracts on your deal, and it really not. You know, affecting your cap as much as signing like a, a free agent like a Jimmy Butler, like that's going to hurt your cap more than just. But know, let me put a, it this a, way: a, before accepting that, just quick extension. before Dave jumps in, if that's the case, like it is, then I would decline that because of what Markel has done, and I would give that twelve million to a free agent but, that could help my team win. Why? Why? Here, the thing is, is like, why would you just cut ties altogether when you could get something from another team? Because you might be sick of them, but you still have a former number one if overall pick who's there. 20 years old. If they get to that point. If I can trade them beforehand, I trade them beforehand. Well, I don't think there's. I don't think he's untradeable. No. Like, I don't I, think right I'm now the state that he is, he is healthy or not, he's untradable. I don't think there's going to be anything in this next year that's going to make mm-hmm. him untradable unless he starts saying, like, you know, a ton of racist shit or something yeah. like that. Like, unless he starts to be a literal cancer I'm just um, saying if they on get and off to the court, that point. Which I don't think is going to happen. Well, I, I don't think that, that, that part... To get to that part, I think is going to be extremely mm-hmm. drastic, where he's going to have no trade value at all. Because even then, you could get a second pick over a uh, second round pick for him. Um, you can get a very highly protected first round pick. Like I don't think he's ever going to reach that point where no team is ever going to take a flyer. I mean, people are still taking flyers on Julio Okafor. People are still taking flyers on you know Michael Carter Williams. Like even Carmelo Anthony. Like he got uh, you know a flyer this year. Markel Fultz is going to be able to get a flyer, and if it's you know minimal value that you are getting back. You still want some value than just cutting them outright because that's a very, very drastic move. And I think something that Dave, you know, when Dave mentioned, you have a lot of guys to rely on, and he's going to make them expendable. That's you know, again, like Josh Gordon, they had Jarvis Landry, they had uh, Ricardo Lewis, they had mm-hmm. all these guys that they they did have. Now they finally had weapons. The Browns got sick of them. They cut them. I don't think either, or they, they traded them for a fifth round pick. Um, but I don't think you know. I think that's going to be more of the situation that they'll try to find some value in the trade market than just cut them outright. But I think that time is coming soon. And I, I would be, again, shocked if he is on this team past the trade deadline. Because, you know, if he is injured, you know, the moment I think he comes back, I think they start taking feelers. And maybe they try to, you know, acquire a Bradley Beal by using him as a centerpiece. But even then, if he is injured, why would the Wizards even want to take that on? Because if this kid's struggling, you have to put more time and effort into it. You could possibly be getting more for Bradley Beal in different ways. It depends on what you see. Like People value shit differently. I mean, I look at this Sixers team and I say, well, the, the only argument I've heard to match along with Ricky as far as money is concerned is that they would be able to add a, another like $30 million contract onto this team next year if they got if they moved his contract for something that's off the books at the end of this year, a la a Trevor Reza. You know, something in that realm. Then, yeah, no, if you can throw $30 million at somebody, that's probably going to get you a better talent than it would be, you know, to have Markel Fultz on this team next year. So there's that argument. Very easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as him, you know, other teams invest in him, I agree, Sean. It's, he's still he's still something interesting because he still has a great skill set outside of a shot. Uh, the, the big problem is, you know, how much time and how much drama and how much, like, is going to go in off the court that's going to take attention away from the team. So I look, in that respect, I look for desperate teams. I Phoenix is the obvious one because, yeah. like I said, like the Trevor Reza deal, it's been floated out there like a million times by everybody. Because oh look, they want a three and D wing who's off at the end of the year. There you go. 
problem solved, and then you get your money back next year. I look at Orlando as another team who would love to have a point guard who's competent. Uh, no offense, but like DJ Augustine, you ain't that great. And Markel Fultz has potential, regardless of how well or bad he's playing well, right now. Well, he also has a crazy wingspan. So clearly I mean, that front office for Orlando is going to love it. Milwaukee, get all over the shit. Like, where are you at? Well, that's Hammond, <laughs> Hammond of the Bucks with yeah, the Magic. Exactly. So now they've become wingspan. Tim, exactly. Team wingspan. I uh, just think that, again, like, you know, even Minnesota – like, if they get desperate, like, they could take him on. Because I know they have Teague and Derrick Rose, but also we've seen the effect that Derrick Rose has had on these young players. Maybe he does need a guy who's gone through the ringer, like a D-Rose, to help him, you know, move through it. Like Interesting. I, I, I think that there's teams out there that, you know, even if they're not that desperate, they can still try and, and piece something out of them. Right now, you could even say, hey, again, I'm going to throw out Denver because I always throw out Denver. Yeah. But, like, right now they're working on a reclamation project, Michael Porter Jr. Maybe mm-hmm. they just put him in a, a boot camp. You know, like basketball one-on-one. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll turn the lights off and have you guys shoot and just, uh, you know, just get the form down. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter what it looks like. doesn't matter if it's going in. Just get the form down. Like, that's all that you, like, you need to be doing. Like, take the rim away from Markel Fultz and just have him stand behind the three-point line and just shoot. Like, like the, ugh, it, just watching this kid, like you said, Ricky, even before, you know, he can step up and, you know, hit a running jumper mm-hmm. you know, from the right of the elbow, yep. and it looks exactly normal. Well, if and he has he, to catch and shoot it, mm-hmm. game off. If he has to think about it. If he, you know, is at the line, he's going to pump fake, even though the ball slipped. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. I, I, I don't know what this kid needs. I don't know if he's just being stubborn. I don't know if he's injured. And I think that Philadelphia, <laughs> a team that is competitive, just needs to start moving away from him. And it's not because he's not a talented player. It doesn't mean he, he, yeah. he can't. Become uh, an all star in, in any way doesn't mean he can't be a you know a top ten point guard um, at his peak, but he does need a change of scenery. And you know maybe a team like Memphis that has the ability to take D leaguers and you know turn them into you know starters on their team. Dallas has done that before. San Antonio's done that before. Maybe they take a shot. And even San Antonio without having Dejounte Murray, maybe they do look for a point guard. Like there's yeah, some teams that can point find. Guard you can't shoot. There's some teams <laughs> that can find potential in his. Value. I mean Dejounte Murray can't shoot. Yeah, he's pretty good. Is all second team defense? Yeah. Jesus Christ. I don't think Markel is that good defense, but you know, like, yeah, th- there is value there. And I agree, Sean. I think that he will get moved. I just, his drama and trauma with the Sixers organization has gone on too long. And it just, there, there's going to be value for them. They're going to find a better fit as far as the team needs right now. And that set up the team for better future success. So I, I just don't think that he stays. A sixer for this through through the NBA draft. I'll, I'll, I don't know if he makes so it. Give it to the end of the season. I'll give it. I'll give it after the end of the season. I think there's still that window, like up into the draft, where he could be moved. I think once we hit free agency, it's a different story. Like he needs to be gone before free agency happens. Could we see? I'm gonna throw this out there. This season, could we see a Kyle Korver for Markel Fultz swap? Steal the century. For who? That's it. Cal Corver for no, Mark Alfonso. He said you, steal you, you a think, century. You so think I said the Cavs giving up a 37 year old Cal Corver for a 20 year old Mark Alfonso? Hey, Cal Corver could mean a, uh, a ring for Philly. We don't know. He I mean, like, like, no, no. We're, I we're, mean, we saw what Bellinelli did. We're hoping he gets cut, though. By we, I mean Sixers fans. It's <laughs> Are one you of those, a Sixers fan now? No, I'm just a part time one for Jake. I got to fill in for Jake because he's on the show uh, every week, you know? Um, but yeah, like he he's one of those guys who the who the Cavs are trying to get value out of. Everybody else is hoping, eh, just cut him. We'll pick him up on waivers. Yeah, I just I don't know. Like it, it, I feel bad for the kid, 
and we don't know what he's going through. We don't know if he's actually injured or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's something wrong with him, whether it's mental or physical, is up in the air. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We. I mean, 100. percent There's something wrong with him. But again, I sort of like, want the Celtics to just like gar- grab him on the cheap, just to ch- and totally then have fuck the 76ers. And Mark yep. Now you're saying the so. If that pick. happens, would you at least agree with me? Then it's a total bust of a trade. Oh, I think it'd be hilarious. Because then but it's just straight up you, you gave them nothing. Jason Tatum. Yeah, you, you gave them <laughs> Jason Tatum and the sack pick, which will be like a late teens right now. Mm-hmm. And you know, Markel Fultz, like they get all the pieces for like nothing. You just gave you just gave them a pick of Markel Fultz. That's that's the post hanky <laughs> front office right there. Oh man, I just I again I feel bad for the kid, and I I, I feel oh bad God, for I Philadelphia fans for because they it's not like they're rooting against him; mm-hmm. they're just getting sick of him being bad at basketball. Yeah, like and again, like he has some flashes, but consistently it's not there. And I don't know what he needs. And you, you keep bringing up, you know, Barkley says he needs a, a sports psychiatrist, but I, I don't know. He's not the first if, to suggest it, and he won't be the last. I don't know if that's redeemable, like his, his shot. Um, because I don't think he's ever going to get it, be able to get out of it. Like he needs a hypnotherapist rather than a, a psychiatrist. Um, but let's give our final thoughts about Markel Fultz because I don't think he's going to be helping the Sixers this year, even no. if he does come back. Um, you know, maybe off the bench he'll be doing something, but I think you're better off just rolling with TJ McConnell, even when he does come back for a while. Like you tried him in the Sham starting. It. Yeah, Shamit as well. I mean, it's fantastic. You, he's you, shooting excellent from the outside. He mm-hmm. is. He's, he's an awesome presence I mean, out there. You tried Fultz out there in the starting lineup, and it didn't work. And yeah. I, I think you just got to play him on limited, limited minutes. And if he is doing well in a game, don't take him out, Brett Brown, because there's been multiple games where he's done fantastic in the first three quarters, and it's like, all right, he's not playing the fourth. Yep. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, you need Brett to Brown's bad coach. Ride the Can hot. You admit that too, because we're on we're on the same side. On this ride side the hot hand. I, mm-hmm. I'm getting close to it. Okay. But like, ride the hot hand. Like, quit being stubborn. Quit throwing TJ out there. Like, if the kid's going to gas himself out, just let him gas himself out and let it be because he's tired so he can at least leave with some confidence instead of being like, man, I was playing well. What do I need to do? Yeah. Like, it, I, I think he just needs a completely, entirely different situation where he's not in a situation where this team's about to win. There, he's not going to be starting at all or at least forced to start. Like, he's starting because he's the best player on the team, not just forced to start because he's a number one pick. Like, mm-hmm. he needs a change of scenery in, in, in the most way necessary and i think probably phoenix is the best shot because just throw him mm-hmm. out in the desert like literally just put him away where no yeah. one's gonna watch him i completely agree the last one i'll throw out is i i made an addition to the uh philly cleveland trade jairs jairs smith and kyle corver for winston chandler and markel fultz did you say winston yeah i said winston why oh just felt like it no, you didn't know his name. That's why. Jesus Wilson Christ. Wilson Chandler. All right, and we're done. Markel no, Fultz. We're going to cut cut that part. Cut. That's a bad trade. That's a dumb trade. You know what they don't need? J.R. Smith. That's that's the best part. J.R. Smith. You're giving, you're literally giving them two better players for two worse players. Well, J.R. I mean, Smith and Kyle Chandler, do not help. Chandler's off at the end. Like, he's done at the end of the year, but they'll re-sign him. It's not like he's walking anywhere, I don't think. But it was an expiring contract, and I know Cleveland wants to get rid of J.R. So they're going <laughs> to – Cleveland would get away, like, bank robbers with that one. Like, what are you thinking about? Did you just, like, see the green bar? That one was I just threw stuff at the wall. I, I think you just do that for most part. It's, it's green. I think we're going to – Dave, it's this trade is successful. I think we're going to block trade machine on, on your computer. No, you can't do that. What does it say for uh, added wins on there? Mm-hmm. You have not affected the win percentage of this team. Either team? Both of them. Nice. All right, cool. I mean, Wilson hasn't played much because he's been injured. And uh, neither has Markel. And neither has JR because he's just sick of this team. 
Uh, but let us know what you think about Markel Fultz down in the comments below. And before we move into our favorite segment, uh, Ricky, I hope you don't take too much offense to this because I, I am trying no. to have fun. Uh, but with that last trade of Jared Smith and Kyle Korver hey. to the Sixers for Markel Fultz and, that Wilson. and, and Winston, Winston Chandler, Chandler. Uh, Dave and I came up with some trades uh, in the vein of Ricky Wimmer. I'll go first because sure. yours, yours is better. Uh, the Wizards uh, trade John Wall and Bradley Beal to the Charlotte Hornets for Nick Batum and Bismack Biombo, And uh, uh, the Wizards lose 13 wins and the Hornets somehow only gain five for That's... trading two bad contracts for two All-Stars. Pretty terrible, pretty terrible. But I, I got one to top that one for you. I, I've got the Orlando Magic trading Evan Fournier, Timothy Mozgov, and Jerry and Grant for Bradley Beal and John Wall. <laughs> it is plus 10 wins for the Magic. Only 10 wins for giving them a starting point guard and shooting guard. Things they don't have. Oh and only a minus 12 for the Wizards. I don't know how that offense runs. I don't know how they play basketball in Washington without them. I was going to try to make a, a LeBron and K- KD trade, but they just re-signed, so I can't do yeah. it. So it doesn't matter. Uh, well, hold on. Let's, let's do this. Uh, I got one for you. I was going to try to get Steph going to Charlotte. I got What's one up? more. Oh, God, he's, Chef yeah. goes, Steph goes Chef to Curry. Chicago. Chef okay, there you go. For, this is a prime Ricky trade. For Rolo, Felicio, Holiday, and Campaign. There it is. What's the win difference? Uh, negative 5 for the Bulls, negative 13 for the Warriors. <laughs> so you just made both teams worse somehow. I don't agree gave with one them on the negative for the Bulls. <laughs> Not at all. They're definitely going to win more games <laughs> with trading away and getting Steph Curry. Anyways, let's go to Wet Boys. We're talking about the soggiest of shooters, the dampest of dudes, the moistest of wings, the wangs, wa- wangs. The, 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 wangs. the watery of uh, wings. Uh, I don't know what we're talking about. We're talking about the guys who had fantastic weeks, either record-setting weeks, uh, absolutely went off, had Phenomenal performances. Uh, you know, uh, shout out to Vince Carter. He would have been a wet boy. He got 25K. Wet boy? Um, yeah, he, he got 25K um, in his career this week. So he would have been a prime wet boy. Um, you know, if you, uh, you got Kyle Lowry, who dropped uh, 19, 17, and 12 on a triple double, he would have been a prime wet boy. We like to look at the guys who had great weeks and give them an award. Last year, LeBron James was our king. And Ricky, you're helping his total for this year, huh? No, I am, and I'm giving him back-to-back wet boys. I believe I got to look at the counter. He now has two mm-hmm. on the year tied with AD and Derrick Rose. Jesus Christ. He just, he went off again. Like, it was funny because you guys, I was sick last week. You guys recorded it, and the day wet boys went up, there was someone in the comment section, and he scored 51. So, you know, he scored 51. You got to give it to LeBron again. He is doing what he's got to do. This team, what started off what two and five, now they're like what eight and two since going two and five to start the year. LeBron, he's making that team go. Yeah, and LeBron is a guy that you know he's a great pat statter, but a big thing we do like to take in is not only are you statting your pats, but also are you winning games. And that's a prime example of that. The one guy that I think is getting totally screwed, though, because he's not in this week mm-hmm. is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Because yeah. he's been he's been having absolutely phenomenal weeks that he's he like always a not, uh, an honorable mention, but he's just never doing enough, apparently. Yep. Because Dave is like, yeah, we're going to go with a complete wild card here, and we're going to give it to... Nikola Pusevich. <laughs> Why? It's Gucci Mane. Why over Giannis? Because he had a great week. He had a 28-10-9 game, which is just fucking impressive. Overall on the week, he was averaging 24, 12, and 3, 59% from the field, 93% from the line. He is the biz- he is one of the best bigs in the NBA that nobody cares about because he's on the fucking magic. Now, if he's been this good. He has no value to any team. If he's been this good. Yeah. Is, is, since he has no value but to a team, does that mean 
Draymond Green straight up, straight up will not I, work. I, I, let's put on the board straight up. <laughs> Can you put that in the trade machine, Ricky, and see if it'll work uh, real quick? But, I mean, Vuce really, yeah, <laughs> he moved you that much to he give did. him a, a win. I know they just beat the Sixers. He he had or that was the, the Cavs just beat the Sixers. My bad. They were they were two and two on the week. They uh they beat the Lakers and the Knicks. Lost to uh, Toronto in a close one. That was a nail biter. Two point game, and Denver got blown out. But uh. No, he, he had a great week. It works straight up. There we go. It's really, still yeah. straight up. It what's really the, what's the win up. difference? Uh, plus five for the Warriors, minus ten for the Magic. Wow. So they. So <laughs> he's a he's a move. Are they just move, taking uh, per? Mover. Are they just taking per? Yeah, I think it's, so. It's a per. Okay. Well, I um, mean, uh, Draymond's per is a twelve point six. And what's Boost? And Boost is a twenty five point nine. Yeah, that's why. Gee. Um. Yeah, man. That's <laughs> that's bad. He's playing good. Straight Give up. the man credit. No, he is for sure. But again, it's like your team isn't doing much. Like the we talked about this last week in pretenders playoff contenders. Team. I don't think they're a playoff team. I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, he was fantastic in the first eighteen games last year too. His team was like, well, everybody was shooting from three in those first eighteen. Yeah, games they were like the year. the Milwaukee Bucks this year. Like they were yeah. insane uh, at the start of the year last year. I, I think they're going to definitely fall off though. But it's just my opinion. He deserves it. Shout out Lucevic. So. He got his first uh, for this year. And, uh, and last year, yeah, I say, this might be his first ever. It's his first career wet boy. Yep. I'm going to go with a team that is a team. Oh, sorry, I'm going to go with a, a player on a team you're you're that is uh, only one standing. Well, you guys went the Warriors without me. I know uh, a team that is above them in the uh, standings. This guy is absolutely carrying them to a great nine and nine record. Uh, they were two and two um, in the last four games, but this is not due to him because in one of those games he lost. He literally put up 60 points. Kemba Walker is my wet boy, averaging 36 points per game in the past four games, seven assists, two steals, 54% from the field, 43% from three. That game against Philadelphia, he was automatic. It was absolutely disgusting what he was doing. Uh, Jimmy Butler had a phenomenal performance in the later half in that OT uh, session uh, where he had the game-winning block, or at least game-saving block, on Kemba and then hit the game-winning shot. Uh, on the, the the right wing, um, but then you know comes back, puts up 43 against Boston. Uh, you know they help helps him get a win against Indiana, and then uh, scores 25 in a loss against OKC, where they only lost by five. Um, Kemba Walker absolutely helps the team. That dude need needs help in, in Charlotte too, um, and that's why I absolutely love that Bradley Beal idea because uh, you know finally getting him a second star to play along uh, would absolutely be fun to watch because you know they're still dealing with Nick Batum's bad contract, Marvin Williams' bad contract. Uh, they don't have that great of bigs out there. They have Bismack Biombo's awful contract as well. Um, so that's one guy that definitely needs some love. Um, and shout out to Kemba Walker. If he's not going to be winning games, he can at least win a wet boy. Um, and let's move on into our fantasy update. Boys, we have 78 points, which is more than we did last week. We hey. are in seventh. Uh, one move we did make, Ricky, um, that you mm-hmm. weren't here for. Um, it was picking up uh, Mitch Robinson, but someone dropped JaVale. So oh. I picked up JaVale McGee. Nice. Uh, so JaVale is a guy uh, that's, that's now on a team. drop. The biggest news, though, is uh, Mike. He's no longer number been one. dethroned. Trevor oh, is now number one, the big ballers. Shout out to the Trevor. The big ballers are number one right now. There we go. So shout out to uh, Trevor. He's got 99 points. And he's points. got Kemba on his team. I, he's wonder, got... I wonder how that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, so, Mike and then, fell all the way to third. Yeah, Mike's, on, Mike's wow. at third. Uh, Philadelphia 0-76ers at two. Uh, Grantham's at four. L.A. Lebronzo at five. What's Up Nation at six. They are three points ahead of us. Kawhi So Serious at eight. Super Hippo at nine. Uh, Ten, Atlanta, Just Incredible. And then uh, 11, we got Corrupt. 12, we got Trust the Process. And 13, we got Craft. Um, looking at where we stand, we are 
Fifth in field goals made. That's due to Russ coming back. Russ has been pretty good this week. Uh, field goal percentage, we are also at fifth. Free throw percentage, um, we are... Uh, Still booty. Uh, what, ninth? Um, ninth out of 13. We have we're probably middle of the pack when it comes to three-pointers made. We are third in three-point percentages. Um, about seventh? Seventh? Fifth, fifth, uh, sixth, sixth. I don't mm. know how to count. Simple math, sixth real hard. in rebounds. Like it's a third. Uh, it's a one to thirteen scale, boys. We are fifth in uh, assists. We are sixth in steals. We are bottom. We're uh, fifth to last uh, in blocks. Are and we? We are what uh, sixth in points. Are we gonna work a deal out for uh, Drummond because that free throw percentage is getting tanked? I think. I think it's him. I think that he's, oh, he's the reason why we're so the bad. Wor- yeah, he's clearly the worst free throw shooter on like, our team. Are, were um, we gonna work I love a the trade off for of him? Etuan, though. That, was, that was a nice move. Thank you. Uh, I honestly forgot I added him. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't even know who I dropped. <laughs> he's good at basketball. So that's cool. We we I had him for some reason. Uh, he dropped like thirty in back to back games, and I just added him. Yeah, uh, but I don't even remember who I dropped for him. But shout out to uh, shout out to Etuan. Uh, we still could add Mitch Rob too because he's he's been uh, he had another like eight game block uh, performance. But I don't know if we should go and and trade for Drummond or trade Drummond because again, if he's been taking our free throw percentage, who is really going to want to take him? Yeah, someone who needs rebounds. But we also kind of need rebounds. We're not leading the league in rebounding. Like we're like middle of the pack. I mean, so if we take if we take rebounds, are we just then going to tank? Like if we're taking free throws yeah. right right now, are we going to take rebounds? Well, it depends. Well. I mean, if we move Javale in and because Javale's got what six a game, but I mean Drummond's got what sixteen. It says here. Yeah, yeah. Drummond's <laughs> good at basketball, just not shooting it from the free throw yeah. line. Look, boys, we are like four weeks away from Demarcus Cousins. Just saying. Is it really that soon? We'll yeah, they're, they're hoping he'll be back uh, after after the Christmas games. So maybe we move him. After Boogie comes back? Yeah. Maybe. I think that's I, probably our best option. I do want to give a shout-out to the guy that we gave a shout-out to oh my last God. week as yes. well. He, uh, Buma- I love you in the comments. Bomani Matambo. It's yes. Matambo. Not, and you uh, dropped the H. Matambo. That's, that's so, what he told us. Uh, Bonani Matambo. Uh, we got an Australia uh, listener. So shout-out Bo- Bo- Bonani. Uh, but he said, all right, let's get down to it. I'm assuming you're playing an eight-cat Roto League. Uh, how many categories do we have? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight, nine, ten. We have ten. The only thing we added, I think, were three pointer, three point percentage, and then field goals made. Um, so we had because uh, we typically, I think, it's uh, field goal percentage, three pointers made, and then rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, points. We added three point percentage, and then field goals made. Just to make that completely even. Uh, tanking the entire category means you would have zero chance of winning a competitive league. Imagine I came out of an exam and told you that the last 12.5% of the paper, I closed my eyes and guessed the answers, yet somehow I expect to get the highest grade in the class. Sounds ridiculous. like you went to college with me. Well, he said ridiculous, right? <laughs> uh, well, that's what you're saying when you say you're going to completely ignore free throw percentage. To win the league, you need to be competitive, top three or four in every category. If you were playing head-to-head, that would be a completely different story, which I can explain if you wish, but isn't relevant at the moment. I understand. You know, mm-hmm. if it's if you're trying to win, you know, if yeah, there's we can win 10 categories, yeah. you're trying to win nine of them and just getting rid of the one because free throws is, isn't going to kill you. And this is not like baseball where literally the baseball oh God, is so it. broken yeah. where I could win every pitching category and just need to steal bases. Yep. I could win the league. 
Yeah, because no, it's I, had to happen. I, yeah. I was trying to do that last year, too. I, I did that. I, I won mm-hmm. K's, and I think I won, Here, like, average for batters, but I only came in third. Here's a trade that maybe we can do in the future. Well, hold on. I want to, I'm not even oh, done with I didn't these know. comments. You boy. I mean, this, is, this is something that we need. We don't need your dumb trades. Okay. I didn't know. <laughs> I love you. Uh, to win the league, you need to be competitive uh, in every category. Because this is, like... Fantasy basketball yeah, for he's, dummies. He's legitimately for, for us. Yeah. Uh, if you're playing head to head, that would be a completely different story. Uh, but you cannot neglect a category in Roto. You can't do it in the Mike Singletary voice. So you're suggesting of taking free throw percentage. We're not. Uh, we're getting that out of here immediately. While PR15 is helpful, it's not the most effective way to determine a player value. Didn't think so. It's just it's an easy number to digest for me. Uh, I manually use Z scores, which is the most accurate way of determining value. If someone wants to Google Z scores, I appreciate it. Um, Cause I don't know what that is. Uh, and I'm stunned that ESPN doesn't use them. ESPN had almost all the pre-draft player rankings completely wrong, by the way. That's another story. But it's good for me because I had my own ranking. So I was able to get players I could values, but I was bemusing how they could re- release such blank ratings slash projections. Just a word I don't like using. It's the R word mm-hmm. for uh, people that I, I was bleeping. Anyway, the trick is to get players who don't hurt you in any categories. Think of it this way. You can compete in overall rebounds without Drummond, but you can't compete in free throw percentage with them equal do not draft them. You can get rebounds elsewhere. You don't have to top uh, have the top rebounder to be competitive in rebounding. My bigs in the 10-team league I play every year are Davis, Whiteside, Vucevic, and Love, who Jared Allen is filling for really well. That is Love. Uh, now, Whiteside is a bad free throw percent shooter, but here's the logic behind that. The rest of my team shoots over 80%, so it'll bring me down to an average for now. In the meantime, however, he's collecting a ton of boards, and him and AD are putting me so far ahead in blocks that I'll basically win that category by the trade deadline. At that point, I'll trade Whiteside to one of my teams with really low blocks for a useful player with good free throw percentage, and I'll maintain my lead at the blocks. But now for my free throw percentage, will skyrocket to the top two. Boom. So you got to get rid of Drummond unless you have a strategy like mine. Uh, in place at time of drafting. So we didn't have that. We didn't actually make that strategy. Let's be honest. But there were Boogie, a few people at that draft where even the comments said should have went with some of the guys I was throwing out. For sure. Um, <laughs> but my thing is, is with that, we didn't have that strategy in the draft at all. Our strategy was nothing. Pick the place players we liked. But yeah, we, we kind of just came up with yeah. that strategy with the DeMarcus Cousins thing, mm-hmm. where we ride out Drummond and then just try to push for that free throw percentage because Boogie's most likely going to get us boards. Uh, so did you have an idea, at least with that free throw percentage in mind? What I was said the trade that idea? maybe one that we could target, and this is if Justin wants to, trading for like a Marcus Gasol, where Marcus Gasol still averages about 9.8 rebounds a game, but he shoots 70% from the foul line. Like he's still making three out of 3.7 out of every 4.9 foul shots. He's at 70 though? Yeah, okay. like 75%. Like, that's the target we should go. Still try to get a center or a big that can get rebounds so we don't tank it, but is a better free throw shooter than Drummond. He's at 70, though, right? It I, says trying, right I want to here, just make sure that you have— It says right here, 75.3, and okay. he's 3.7 per every 4.9 attempt. Right now, Drummond is— uh, 54 mm-hmm. for, and he's uh, pretty much three of every five and a half mm-hmm. attempts. So yeah, definitely be an upgrade there. Um, the only thing too with that is, you know, with Justin, uh, you look at the position rankings, you're trading Drummond, who's currently 16th in positions mm-hmm. compared to Marc Gasol, who's fifth. So no, I'm not saying like Gasol's the guy, but maybe that's something well, no, but I'm saying like someone who still would, gets some rebounds. I feel like to get that like a guy like Marcus Gasol, mm-hmm. we would need to add Sweet more onto that. Yeah. Because, again, right now, even from a, a ranking spot, mm-hmm. Gasol is much higher than Drummond. I mean, we could do that. Like, there's, I'm not, I'm not handicapped to anyone on this team. 
If we needed to trade anyone, I would. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not married to anyone on this team. I should say, even mm-hmm. Trey Young. I'm, I'm pretty married to Gary Harris. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I know. Love I know. Yeah, <laughs> I love him so much. Because he's a guy that's not going to hurt you. He's not going to. He's not going to. He's a guy, he's a guy that's pretty good. He's a guy, he's, you look at him. He's like 44 percent from the field, 32 uh, percent from three, 79 uh, percent from from the line. I mean, Gary Harris is a good guy. Uh, so I think I, and I, Boogie. I don't want to move Boogie either. So. I mean, who would you want to give up then? Who are you thinking? Like, if we need to sweeten that pot, I there's not one because I don't hate the like Marcus Gasol idea. I like. I'm not saying like him, but I'm not like. If you were like, yeah, we got to give up this guy too, I wouldn't be like, no, let's not give up him. What do you think is logical? Depends on what you want to add. Like, are we doing two for one? To where he would have to drop a player, or would we one. just do two for two? Well, let's see how bad his team is. Because maybe we could just take on a terrible player. Mm-hmm. Um, JJ Barea? Is he terrible enough? He's just 18. Um, playing pretty well. Reggie Jackson? Yeah. Who's who's being dropped a lot in his league? Uh, Dwight Powell? Should we pick up Dwight Powell? He's doing nothing, really. What do you think? What are your thoughts on picking up Dwight Powell? We'll trade Dwight. We'll, so we'll get Marcus Gasol. And Dwight Powell for Drummond. And who's a guy that's not... What does he need, exactly? I don't know. I'm not looking up the standings. Can you look at the standings? I was looking at his team. <laughs> Let's see. He is... Field goal... Field goals. great content, by the way, guys. Field goals oh, made yeah. and field goal percentage. He's also duty at that as well. So field goal percentage he needs. Yes. Um, Wait. Yeah. Well, Drummond will help that. Mm. Brogdon? I'm fine with giving up Brogdon. I was fine. I wanted to tr- drop him weeks ago. Brogdon's I fantastic. Brogdon's That's the problem. Fucking great. Yeah, Brogdon's not a guy that hurts you. Eh. I don't think he would take Brogdon. We'll, we'll figure this out. We'll find Bielitza? someone. We'll, uh, we'll find someone to add to it. But that's maybe somewhere we have to go with this. Again, if you're in our league, hit us up with trades for Andre Drummond. We're always what listening. If, what if we just drop him? No. Why not? We gotta get something for him. Why? <laughs> what if we just drop him? Let's just drop him. Let's just drop him right now. Come on. What's the worst that could happen? Let's just Let's... drop our whole team then. No, I'm not gonna do that. We should just drop him. Let's just drop him. Drop what? Drop Russ too. No, we're not gonna drop Russ. <laughs> Are you crying? Just right now, right now Drummond's not helping we us. We gotta get something for him though. Why? Let's just. This is really helping his sell. How about right this? Now. How yeah. about this? We pick up Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> we just drop Andre Drummond straight up. Thoughts? Isaiah Thomas will help with free throw percentage. Yeah, he's not going to hurt us in any way because he's not even playing. Exactly. So I think that's a good idea. We're, we, we're now officially dropping Andre Drummond uh, for Isaiah Thomas. Give us trade ideas. Uh, if you are in our league, hit me up on Twitter, at MostValuablePod. Slide in the DMs. We are ready to make a deal for Andre Drummond. We will take your garbage. We will take your Trey Young equivalents. We will take your uh, 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 Dennis Smith Juniors. We will take your Frank Nikita Linas uh, or Nila Kinas. Um, hit us up, dudes. Like, le- like we're, we're, our team is middle of the pack. We're good, but not great. Um, that's probably this podcast slogan as well. Um, so, if you have any trade ideas, throw them down in the comments. Carmelo Anthony. Sla- well, yeah, we'll drop him for Carmelo. Is is he available? I'm sure he is. I mean. Has Drummond ever been on a on an Olympic team? And yeah, I've never seen Drummond in a hoodie. I've never seen him in a hoodie either. 
So, Hoodie Mello. Can't hurt. He can't hurt. He's not playing. So, we're going to drop Andre Drummond for Carmelo Anthony. That's the deal. But let's move into the final topic. Hopefully, this one will be having a little less arguments and a little less picking on Ricky. Uh, if it's been too far uh, for you, Ricky, I, I apologize. Uh, Dave, if I've been an asshole to you, I have no sympathy because you're an asshole back to Jason Tatum. I know some people might leave this being like, oh, Sean's a real dick, and I am. Uh, but let's finish this up and let's talk about the NBA draft. We've been hitting this now for three straight weeks. Mm-hmm. We uh, talked about Zion Williamson, and if he's NBA ready, yeah, he is. Um, <laughs> we talked about Ball Ball possibly being KP. Some people, it was a lot of interesting takes yeah. uh, on that on that uh, one. I appreciate all the feedback we got on Absolutely. that one. Um, some people saying that it was disrespectful because KP termed the unicorn uh, coin, and people are saying uh, Bull Bull uh, is even better than it and, and might even transcend that as well. Also, I'm so sick, and this is just um, if you if you mention if you're giving us corrections about stat like heights or weights, like mm-hmm. again, three different websites, with three shoes different without shoes, exactly. like like. I, I, after I, eats a Thanksgiving I meal, in, after eats Thanksgiving meal. I typed in Chris Stapps Porzingis. I typed in <laughs> Bobol, and it said on Google, height 7'2 for Bobol, or 7'3 or whatever, mm-hmm. and Chris Stapps 7'2. Like, maybe he is 7'3. It's an inch. I don't know. Maybe he's 7'2. He's a big boy. Four, five he is, a, he, is a, he is seven plus feet tall. Um, yeah, that's the so point. So we're throwing out heights, and unless it's really bad, like we're saying Muggsy Bogues is 6'11, you can correct us. But mm-hmm. if it's like an inch off, two inches off, there's some leeway. Like, which side did you check? Exactly. Well, I mean, the only way we would know is if we took a tape measure ourselves and yeah. figured it out. Uh, they but don't anyways, allow us to do that. They no. don't. They kind of frown on that. No, they don't. Well, um, before you get into it, I just it. want one more thing. Just kind of some promo. <laughs> as there, he threw that at you. I mean, as it was there. As they're either watching or listening to this. This week will also be the first NBA big board as well. Great. All right. Well, uh, we got two minutes uh, of intro, and let's mm-hmm. finally get into this and ask the question, is Cam Reddish being overlooked? And obviously we'll see in your and Brandon's big boy on the uh, – mm-hmm. I said, think I said big boy. Big boy. Uh, big, big board boy. on the primetime podcast um, You know where you think Cam Reddish is going to end up being compared to his rookie uh, – fellow rookie uh, classmates in this uh, upcoming draft class. But obviously being on this team of Duke, of being on the human highlight reel, Zion Williamson's team, being on R.J. Barrett, who was the number one player coming out of high school, um, is he being overlooked? And this is really coming from a uh, conversation I had with Jake, um, who thought he was. He's thought, you know, Cam Rash is being underrated and undervalued because he is the third option on that team. He is the third guy when people think of that Duke team because R.J., again, is scoring 23 points per game and, you know, is taking 20 shots a game and Zion is throwing down these ridiculously great dunks but Cam Reddish has been extremely efficient on the shots he has been getting 42% from the field 43% from 3 94% from the line scoring 15 points per game is he being overlooked in your guys opinion because of Zion's highlight ability and his you know his his kind of viral ability and then RJ Barrett's ability to play hero ball take over and dominate a game I would say, yeah. And I mean, maybe Zion is what's really bringing this because Zion gets all the hype in the world. And then it's kind of even like, yeah, RJ is good. Like usually, like if Zion wasn't on this team, it would be, we would kind of look at it maybe more Batman and Robin between RJ and Cam Reddish. But like I look at it and the points, I don't really, I think Cam Reddish this year, take his points per game. Right now he's at 15 kind of throw it away a little bit because they've got three mouths to feed. As long as they're winning, they're not going to care who scores. It's just 
each one of these players brings a different thing to the table. And for Cam Reddish, from what I've seen so far, the two things I like, number one, although he doesn't get to the line as often as an R.J. Barrett, he hits most of his foul shots. He's shooting about 94% from the free throw line, and he's got a better free three-point percentage. Like, he can shoot from range. Well, he does— and that was one thing that was mm-hmm. coming out of high school. He did have a better stroke than yeah. R.J. He was a more consistent shooter than R.J. Barrett. That was the clear thing that did mm-hmm. separate, uh, you know, between at least positives for Cam uh, compared to R.J. Barrett. I think he is a little bit taller as well, um, at least, you know, size-wise and then shooting-wise. That was the plus for, for Cam. It's just going to come down to RJ. what a team—like, and I know in the NBA it's, oh, take BPA, not team need, but really it's going to come down to— in my mind right now, Zion's number one, and then depending on what that team needs. Like, if the Suns are number two, I would maybe take Cam Reddish over R.J. Barrett because you don't need a guy that could basically do what Devin Booker does. But here's the thing with with the question of being overlooked. It's not like, obviously, who would you take, mm-hmm. but overlooked in a sense of, do you think he's— He's not going to get the national spotlight, But no. do you think he should be? Do you think he's a player no. that, that, you know, obviously Zion Williamson has this crazy ability to, you know— have you know be a one man fast break, grab mm-hmm. crazy boards, you know show off his incredible athletic ability. Um, but with Cam Reddish, we're talking about NBA potential. We're talking about NBA prospects, and obviously Zion has something we've never seen before in his athletic ability. But that doesn't mean he's going to be the best NBA player out of this you know rookie draft class. So mm-hmm. Dave, looking at Cam Reddish, do you think yeah. he's being overlooked in the sense that he might be? the best NBA prospect on this team, yet he isn't getting the shots that RJ is. He isn't getting the highlights and love that Zion is. Do you think he has the ability to be the clear-cut number one player coming out of the NBA draft? I don't think he'll ever be the clear-cut because of what Zion is, Mm -hmm. just as a person. Uh, But talent-wise, I'd love to see a system that let Cam play more, more of a role than what he is now, because what he is now is like a huge wing who has a beautiful stroke from the outside. He's not shy to take threes all day. Um, I'd like to see the ball in his hands more, see if he can facilitate, see if he can playmake more, because you know what we've seen out of RJ up to this point is RJ can be a good playmaker, but he's also turnover heavy. Like he, he was over, we overhyped his ability as far as playmaking mm-hmm. and ball control. So I'd like to see what Cam can do because like Cam has the ultimate like complementary skill set. Like Ricky was saying, like you can put him on any team and he will fit in. He is a guy who can play physical defense. He can shoot the three from outside. He can stretch for He's everything teams want. He, the thing is, we don't know if he can be a one. And that's mm-hmm. that's the thing. I don't know, like Ricky said, because of the Duke team, because it's all team basketball, and like he's not their spotlight player, I don't know if we're going to get to see what he can do. I want to see if he can be a possible, like, you know, star on a team because I don't know if he can or can't yet. Well, that was one question I was going to have. I do want to interject real quick because I'm on sportsreference.com, um, and I don't know really how PER works for college, um, but Cam Reddish has a 25 PER. Mm-hmm. RJ Barrett has a 20.8 PER. Zion has a f- chill 42.9 PER. <laughs> Just a chill 42.9 PER. Yeah. Just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, but looking at Cam, you bring up that ability to be a one. We don't know if he has that ability. And one thing, too, you brought up you know, him being a playmaker and not turning the ball over too much and RJ doing that. You also look at the assist-to-turnover ratio, though, and right now it's like a 1.7 to 1.8 for Cam. So it's literally like... He's, I mean, he's turning the ball over more than he is, you know, creating assists. Yeah. And RJ is at least has a four to two and a half. So, like, obviously, yeah, but it's in their offensive sets, like Cam's yeah. gaining it as the like you're mm-hmm. either you know you're sw- you're a swing man on the outside with your passes, 
And meanwhile, RJ is the guy bringing the ball up, you know, kind of dominating well, the ball. I'm just, I'm just helping and just just adding okay. that to the narrative. Yeah. Not saying That's you're fine. incorrect, um, but yeah. just saying that you know some people might bring up the, the stats fact today, that yeah. yeah, at least with the stats. Um, but one thing though is his ability to be a one, and if he is more talented, one thing that you know, I mean, Coach K has been in this game for 50, 60 plus years now, um, at least coaching you know full time as a head coach. Wouldn't he be able to see this? Like you know, this talent and, and wouldn't try to work Cam more into this because we even saw in that Gonzaga game, like in the first half, he was not good, and then in the yeah. second half, when they started making a run, he was not on the floor. Um, and I'll get to uh, some quotes from uh, Mike Schmitz and uh, uh, Giovini on uh, uh, ESPN, the Draft Express guys, um, and what they said about the Maui uh, Invitational. But how much does it say about their personalities and you know how much they are able to be a number one and put that on their shoulders when RJ is getting that workload mm-hmm. right away and Cam's kind of falling back and he is he might be being overlooked because he is falling back a little bit does it speak much on possibly being a franchise changer because yes RJ might be playing hero ball but at least he has that instinct to be like all right I'm the best player I can help my team out mm-hmm. yes it could be a killer to some players but you know we some people laud Kobe for that ability to take over a game and be like, oh, no, this is my team. This is my ball. I'm going to score. I'm going to show us to win. Where, you know, you've been a, a person who's been critical of LeBron James, where LeBron's passing it off in big moments. Kyrie's hitting mm-hmm. the game when he shot that seals the, the, the ring for Cleveland. He's passing it off down to George Hill uh, or whoever it was. Was it George mm-hmm. Hill uh, in game one this year? Uh, he threw the bullet pass down and got fouled, and that's what led to the JR rebound. Yeah. Yeah. So, because George Hill was a Yeah, you're, you're, ba- you're bashing the, mm-hmm. uh, the, George, the pass to George Hill. So, what do you think about that idea of RJ kind of having that personality of being a number one? And do you think Cam has that in him? You're not. Well, first off, we're truly not going to know. In my sense, we're not going to know if Cam truly has it in him because of we know RJ has it and Zion is who Zion is. The thing with how you mentioned Coach K, and this is the thing that's also kind of the give and take, is we're talking NBA potential. Yep. Coach K doesn't give a crap about that. It was like It's all like they're going to take this uh, Gonzaga loss, they're going to make their changes, all that his mindset's going to be on is winning games and winning games for them. And that's the thing, too, is how early are we in this college season to where – this team is going to mold. These three are going to mold together, and we're going to see them grow the rest of the year. Right now, it looks like Cam Reddish is getting overshadowed, but that's just because of the hype levels that we've had for Zion and then what we've seen from RJ thus far. My thing, though, is more, it's not even with the NBA Mm -hmm. potential with Coach K is, I mean, if Cam Reddish is a better player... Wouldn't he try to give the ball more to Cam Reddish? Maybe and they, wouldn't he, maybe wouldn't, they do that over a couple games. Well, maybe but, as but it my thing is to... we haven't seen that so far over the six games. And mm-hmm. what, and again, you're all about trying to win games in college basketball. Mm-hmm. And so far, it's been very heavy on R.J. Barrett let's, using the ball and having a high usage. That's, be, that's all I'm saying. And let's be completely honest. Like when it comes to college basketball, for a team like Duke, because they're not going to lose many non-conference games usually, the non-conference portion is just hey. We're just going to go and play some basketball games and get used to it. And then once the conference season starts, that's basically when the real year starts and when the wins really matter because you're trying to jock for position to win that, to get your tournament bid, and then trying to get the postseason tournament so you can maybe get a tournament bid as well um, if you're a team that didn't finish in the first seed. So, I mean, the non-conference, I wouldn't take too much away from it, but... What I have seen from Cam Reddish is 
somebody who, if like I'm an NBA team, I'm looking at it going, hey, if we got a guy that can be the alpha, this could be a guy that could be a nice complimentary piece to that alpha on our NBA team. Dave, before you go off and build on uh, what Ricky just said, it's time for uh, more ridiculous Zion Williamson stats. Um, per 40 minutes, uh, he's averaging 30 points, 14.1 rebounds, 3.2 assists, 2.2 steals, and 4-point blocks. So he's averaging 30, 14, 3, 2, and 4. It's pretty dope. Yeah, it's insane. What do you think, though, about like that, that at least innate ability to take over a game and and being a number one because you brought that up of you know cam can cam can be a that's a horrible cam phrase. can can cam be a number one have you seen that ability or do you think it's just more speaking of rj barrett's personality than it is cam's personality i think it's i think it's definitely speaking to rj uh it's he and again this probably goes for all these guys is they've all been the best guy on their high school teams they've mm-hmm. all been the best guy on their you know, respective travel league and any of those kind of things. But like we watch RJ in the international uh, under 18 tourney and like he was dominant there. And that was like, Oh, this is, this kid got pegged early on in life as like, no, he, he's, he's the guy you want his, the ball in his hands. And that's been his role. I think uh, Cam Reddish, like obviously he's got the potential to do that at some point, maybe, mm-hmm. but the problem is we haven't seen it because he's just been delegated to that secondary role. Like he is, that's that's all it is. Is I just keep seeing him as complimentary piece. I don't know if he'll ever be a number one, but that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with that because like people want to compare him to anything between T Mac, Paul George, like anywhere in between. They're just tossing out names of oh, well this guy was like a six eight wing who's got a great shot from the outside. Like that's all we know about him so far. Like defensively, he has the body to be a good defender. He's not actually quite a great defender yet, but like he has the, all the tools to be there. So. I don't know that he'll ever be a dominating ball dominant kind of guy, but I don't think that's a bad thing going into the NBA draft because you look at some of these teams. Look at Clay Thompson. Like I'm not saying like what he is as a player. I'm saying what he is to his team. Yeah. He doesn't need to be the number one. And that's what I think Cam Reddish could be is, can he be the number one? Potentially, like there were flashes in the San Diego State game where he would drive up, take a step back, shoot a shot, look good. And you could be like, okay, he can be ball dominant, not in the same way as RJ, but he could. But if he comes in the league and he's a similar kind of a player as a Clay Thompson, where know my role, I'm the number two on this team, that's not a bad thing. And NBA teams are not going to use that as a negative against Cam Reddish. Is that a top pick? Sort of mm-hmm. thing, though. Is that what you want out of your like one through three pick in the draft? And you want that depends, number two piece for your team? Depends on what kind of a team I am. If I'm a team like Cleveland, yeah, is I mean, Colin Sexton like Cleveland, Phoenix, well, and, and Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta? And I mean, yeah. If you look at it, if I'm Atlanta or Phoenix, I'm not using that as a negative because Atlanta's thinking that Trey Young's their guy, and Phoenix is thinking Devin Booker is their guy. Yeah. Cleveland's the one word. It might be a negative because Colin Sexton is so raw to where, and it feels weird to say that because he's just as raw as um, Trey Young because they're both rookies. But I he's mean, just worse. you don't know if he's going to be the number one for Cleveland. <laughs> that's, what, where, that's what Ricky's saying. Where yeah, Cleveland would have to go with either, if it was RJ or Cam, they would have to go with an RJ over a Cam Reddish in my mind. 
Yeah. I have another uh, Tracy Zion <laughs> stat. Uh, if you look at uh, players with over 138 uh, uh, offensive rating and uh, uh, an under mm-hmm. uh, 90 defensive rating, um, and you sort it by per, uh, Zion, clear, number one winner. <laughs> uh, the only other guys have three. The only other player that is actually notable that hasn't played you know less than 20 minutes uh, is Anthony Davis. Uh, mm-hmm. But I agree in, in some ways. But I, I don't think we're – I mean, it's only been six games. So we can't say yeah. Cam – can't be a number one. No, in no. His, I think in we his, haven't seen him up to this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I, but it, it's even to that point where we might never see it in college. But yeah. I think that mm-hmm. doesn't mean he can't be a number one player. And again, we really didn't see Jason Tatum be a dominant number one guy. Like say Grayson in, and Luke Kennard. In co- yeah, in college, and he ended up being showing the potential in the NBA to be a number one guy, or at least a potential number one guy. And Donovan Mitchell, like he didn't jump out to be a number one guy in college. He did end up playing that role in number one. Uh, but you know, immediately he showed it um, in college and we were or in the NBA and weren't really expecting it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's one thing that we could see is like you know these guys do take different mm-hmm. roles and and they're trying to fit the system and they're trying to win and we've also never seen this much talent on a college team. If you're saying the Fab Five, you're just dead wrong. Mm-hmm. There was one great player on that team. It was Chris Webber. I couldn't name you the other fifth guy. Juwan Howard was a good starter. Jalen Rose was a good starter. Col- college wise, they were. Some of the best the talent was, we've seen. The top talent going into the class. Yeah, yeah, but it was, it was pretty impressive. But also, we. But had, this is literally one, they, two, three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think by the end that. of this, we're gonna have three top five picks. I don't think Jalen Rose is a top five. We pick. could, we Jawan could see Howard three was. top three picks. Is what we could see. Yeah, yikes. And yeah, I, we we we've looked this up. I think. Uh, it was Anthony Davis and Michael Kidd-Gilchrist were the only back-to-back one-two. Mm-hmm. There was never, I think, from the same college, uh, one-two-three. One, two, um, and we could see that, that for the first great time. for the so, one-two there. <laughs> well, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. Uh, but it was also a weak draft class he was outside just, of Anthony He's just Davis. a hitch away from being a fucking <laughs> two-way player, man. Yeah. Well, and here's one thing. Like, Jalen was 13th overall. I think what, C-Webb was fourth pick. Juwan mm-hmm. Howard was actually weirdly high. Um, for what he ended up being, because uh, I think he was like a top five pick. Yeah, he was fifth pick in '94. Um, but other than that, I can't name the other two guys on the Fab Five. Um, but I think we'll be at least be able to name four of the guys on Duke with Zion, Cameron, Ray Jackson, and Jimmy mm-hmm. King. Yeah, I don't know those guys. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> uh, my dad could tell you. But it was five out of the top eighty-four. Officially, this was. One, two, and three. Yeah. Well, they so, had Chris Weber and Jalen Rose were one and five. Jawan Howard was three. So, like, they had one, three, five. This is one, two, three. Yeah. So, that's, a, I again, know, it's, it's, one a, up. it's a little I, better. I, I'm just saying, like, there's going to be people that come back. I mean, Jalen Rose may be one of them. I don't think Jalen Rose listens to this fucking podcast. But, you know, he might come back and be like, we were the better us. team in college basketball. Like, He's already you, saying that. I, I know. Like, Jalen and Jacoby. I'm bringing it up. I mean, Jalen has said that Zion wouldn't even be in the Fab Five. Didn't he say that? Yeah, he was just wrong. Though. Didn't he yeah. say that? You know, like, who, you, know who, you know who Zion would probably kick out? Jalen? Prob- no. Uh, I maybe. Okay, Ricky, if you're building the team and you're saying young Jalen Rose or well, young Zion Williamson, who are you taking? pretty good. You got, you, you got to look at it, though. Jalen uh, played the Cam Reddish role. And I would say maybe, and this is me, and They're I know apples, hardcore apples either, Michigan but. fans are going to hate me. I may say Ray Jackson because the thing with Jimmy King, you got to remember with that, he was one I don't of— remember shit. He was one of the <laughs> top recruits. He was one of the top recruits in that class from Texas, and they actually had to kind of be like, "Hey, come and play with us." But Jimmy King was a second round pick, and Ray Jackson was undrafted. Yeah, so I don't remember shit about him. But I'm just saying, if I had to pick between Jalen Rose and Zion Williamson, I'll take Zion. 
Um, yeah, no, like, we know now. I mean, look, Jalen Rose had a good career. He's a 20 point game scorer for a couple mm-hmm. years. Like, it's not a Indiana Was he an all star? He did make an all star, okay. I believe. Shout out Jalen uh, Rose. I believe he made one. But yeah, he was a pacer, he was a bull. Yeah. Um, I, I love those years. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. Like, with with Cam and, and Zion I, and even RJ too, like, it's tough to really say that. You know, he might have those glimpses where he's a really yeah. good player, but, um, but I, I don't think, think he'll ever have the find, chance to be a number one. I think we'll find out, though. I, I do think we'll get the chance, too, because like Ricky What do you said, think will be the tipping point, then? It's tourney time. Like, as soon as we hit conference tournaments. Like, I'm not even talking, like, March Madness. I'm talking conference tournaments. Like, I'm going to say conference play. You think just conference play in general? So, like, exactly. in a couple weeks? But, I mean, not, not just in a couple weeks, just... It's going to start with conference oh, okay. play and go all the way through. But, I mean, right now you're also you're playing in your biggest game, probably mm-hmm. possibly the biggest game you'll play all year. Yeah. Um, you know, because I think this was probably bigger than the have. Kentucky game because this was a more proven Gonzaga team um, with what they did last year as well. And Cam wasn't around. Cam wasn't a prevalent mm-hmm. part of that team. And I think that speaks, you know, volumes. And maybe it will change with how that, that, that game will end up going. But I worry about Reddish's ability to really shine. Where RJ, he might be shining in bad ways, but at least he's shining. You know, any press is good press, and yeah, I like I like that ability yes. to be like I, I have the talent, and if I'm off, I'm off, but I'm still better than anybody who's on. Um, and you know, it's helped when Zion's cleaning up the board, but also I don't feel like don't going to Zion too often. Uh, you know, on every other possession, they should have gone to him more in, in the last say, four that's minutes. That's the thing but, is like when they lost that game. Like, do you look back at that game? And go, man, I wish we would have got more RJ Barrett, or man, they really should have just ran that shit down through the post to Zion. Mm-hmm. That. That's sort of like you look at the losses. That's that's where you find out like what's a player really going to be like when your team's down ten. Like what's their attitude when they're getting? If you ever get in the case where Duke is being blown out by somebody, God forbid. Like what what's their reaction to that? Because I get it, they're young kids, but like that's how you find out what they're made of, really. Like yeah. if Cam is out there like fighting for the ball still and like posting up trying to get threes in the corner, then absolutely. Like that's the kind of guy you want. Well and here here's one thing that came out too with the Draft Express guys that I was kinda of teasing a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um they put out a thing that uh it was uh NBA draft scouting what's changed in the number one uh number one pick race. Uh they pretty much talked that uh so far Zion is looking like the number one pick uh just with his athletic ability and his upside. Uh, but then they go into an R.J. Barrett and Cam section. Yeah. Uh, Schmidt says, these two had polar opposite showings in Maui. Barrett lost considerable momentum due to hero ball, while Reddish was unable to capitalize on the buzz he generated through two games by no showing in the Gonzaga bout, leaving teams wanting more. Leading up to the Gonzaga game, NBA scouts questioned Barrett's willingness to make others better, his shooting consistency, and his overall upside as number one pick. Barrett strengthened that argument when he took five shots in the final 57 seconds all misses, more or less icing out his teammates and looking extremely clunky in the half court. Barrett is an accomplished talent who figures to look much better on the spaced NBA floor, but he hasn't done himself any favors over the past few games, generating more questions than answers in his regard to ability to coexist with other stars. Reddish was invisible in the first half of the Gonzaga game in the Gonzaga contest and on the bench during Duke's late second half run, seeming all too comfortable, having little impact. Still, he knocked down eight of 19 threes over three games, showing glimpses of high ceiling. Scouts remained enamored with his talent level, with many high-ranking executives thinking the number one pick will ultimately come down to Williamson and Reddish, not Barrett. He is clearly the best shooter of the three, and the hope for Reddish, Optimus, is that his aggressiveness and confidence will come out in more, uh, more in time. He and Barrett seem to be in a battle for number two right now. 
The big three all get the pub, but Trey Jones is quickly proving he deserves far more attention. He played an outstanding game against Gonzaga, moving the ball, competing defensively, pulling up in the lane, and finishing with craft around the rim. Should yeah. Duke make a title push, it wouldn't be surprising to see Jones wake his way into first-round consideration. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that because we all thought he was a top-15 pick you know, for, for a little bit for Trey Jones, just to throw that out there. But, but what are your like, thoughts at least hearing that? Well, and the thing that's interesting, I'm not going to go into the article, but there's even one from uh, the Duke site on Fansided where they wrote about Trey, Jung, Trey Jones proving that he can become an aggressive scorer. So we're already seeing that from him. That kind of just triggered Opinions um, what you say in that. But, like, I do – I could see what you said where it's Zion and Cam 1-2 and then RJ is that third pick because – to me, it does not matter. I know the big thing like that we started earlier is, oh, can he prove that he can be the number one? I don't care about that. What I do know already is that on the shot, the few shots that he has, he can hit from the field, he can hit from three, he can shoot from the line, and he can rebound, and he can play some defense. With that alone, I'm looking at that going, if I'm the number two pick, I would take that over a volume scorer like R.J. Barrett, because mm-hmm. if many people are going to compare, because obviously you are, because Kobe was also a volume scorer, is a volume scorer going to work in this NBA, or are you going to go with a guy who, hey, this guy can shoot, and this guy looks to be able to fit into the NBA that we're in right now? See, That's I, what I think it may come down to. I disagree with calling him a volume scorer in R.J. Barrett, because... You know, yes, he's taking a lot of shots right now, but shooter. <laughs> I, I, I think like he's going to be a guy that I think pans out to be a number one. Mm-hmm. And if he's a number one, you want him taking a ton of shots. Yeah. So I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, I think the thing that really jumps out to me is his ability to play with other stars. Mm-hmm. And that kind of questions his ability to transfer to the NBA. Um, because, again, like his ability to drive in the lane, like he's got pro moves already. Like mm-hmm. You watch that Kentucky game, and yeah. him, him putting up 33, that was a oh. pro's NBA 33. Like He was cutting the lane. He was mm-hmm. driving yeah, and slashing those like pros. Yeah. Pro, and he had incredible moves going to, the, going to the bucket. So like I'm not too worried about any of them transferring to the NBA and having success. It's just the levels of success that they can have. It's like like Zion, I- Zion, like is he ever going to be a number one? I don't really know. R.J. Barrett, is he going to be a number one? I think so. Mm -hmm. But will he be successful in that role? And then how is he going to adapt after that? And then with Cam, we're talking about where is he going to be? Can he be a number one? Will he be a good number two? Or will he ever have the confidence to even take that next step forward? Obviously, we've been seeing confidence and uh, mentality is a huge deal in the NBA right now. It really doesn't matter about that talent. So, right, yes, Reddish can transfer to the NBA more because of his three-point ability, but also RJ might have the more ability to score and help your team quickly. And yes, you know, he might not have a great shot from the outside like, you know, Cam Reddish does, but he does have that ability to score and mm-hmm. have that knack to score yeah. and also that, you know, willing it. You feel comfortable with the ball in his hands kind of thing. So yeah. I think they're always an argument and upside to all of these guys. Um, and it just, again, depends on I think we'll show a little bit more through the season. But I think he, I think Cam Reddish is being overlooked right now. And, and I think that has to deal a little bit with him and a little bit with RJ, a little bit with Zion, and then a little bit with just the, the offense in general is running so far through yeah. the first, th- first six games. The way I put it to Brandon um, off a podcast, we were talking about the Duke guys, is usually when we talk about like a one, two, three pick in the draft, we're looking at like Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball. We're looking at it, this player against this player, and we're going in-depth trying to debate one or two. To me, any of these three guys could be the number one pick. 
any of them could be a number one pick. We're splitting hairs. But like this year mm. is just going to be splitting hairs between the three, justifying which one you want to be number I mean, it's one. It's apples and oranges. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Like last year, it was, you had point well, to point. This year, it's yep. three different wings. And mm-hmm. we don't even know. To be fair, it's it's a wing. It's a potential maybe wing. a wing and or it's a, four. Who that's why it's knows? apple and oranges. Like, well, maybe it's like apple, apple, and then not even like an orange. It's apple, like, oranges, bananas? No, no it's, it's like, like apple, apple orange, orange, and then like, like jackfruit. Yeah. Like, it's I'd something like, grapefruit. Piece of cake. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Piece of cake. Piece of cake. <laughs> apple, apple, IPA. I mean, that's 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 what it is because you Zion's his own thing. Like, you can't mm-hmm. classify him yeah. in the same categories. Like you said, the stats he's pointed up is ridiculous, but like, as far as what he can do physically, and that's, I go back to physically, I'm like, well, Cam Resch is the second best physical specimen. He's got great size. He's got pretty good muscle strength to him. Like, he's someone who could go out there and be one of the top wing defenders. If you ever learn the discipline of it, mm-hmm. like, absolutely has the potential to be there. Hopefully, he won't like Andrew Wiggins this and, like, give up on defense, but, like, he has what it takes to be a professional player in the NBA at the top level. So, I. Well, why do you think he has the second most, uh, like impressive, like you you, you mentioned about over his, RJ's. Well, yeah, why do you, well why do you think he has a more impressive just like build than RJ? What would stands out more? Well, <laughs> RJ's pretty fucking impressive too. RJ's impressive, but like, I, my worry with RJ is that he falls into like the like not quite as good as DeRozan camp. Mm-hmm. Like that's where his and maybe it's just because DeRozan late as of late has been playing really well. Mm-hmm. So like his last couple of years have been excellent, and obviously like. My expectations for RJ shouldn't be at where he's at now, but where he's at, you know, as a young player coming into the league. But, like, when when you mock, it's hard to mock players in the NBA draft and not do straight comps. It's like, I want him to be that guy in the league. Like, the guy today, you want Cam Reddish? Well, I want Paul George. Like, that's that's what, if I'm picking out a Cam Reddish, I'm going, I hope you develop to be Paul George for me. Yeah. And RJ Barrett, I know this, might, I might get crucified for these comps, but whatever, it's like, RJ Barrett's like he's a ball handler. He's he's comfortable going to the lane. His three is not perfect, but like it could be worked on. Like mm-hmm. Demar Derozan, why not? You know. Well, but even you, then, you like, go Jimmy Butler. You could go anywhere you want, but like he doesn't well, have the same defense as Jimmy Butler. That's why I with, lean more towards the Demar side. RJ, though, I mean, it could be even such a simple tweak like Jason Tatum made, where Jason wasn't that great of a three point shooter in college, and then yeah. the next year he's coming out and shooting forty percent from three. Yeah, so one two great mean, shot. Coach. That could, that could be Handle. a quick uh, a quick fix for yeah. him. I'm not too sure. worried about that. And no, I, I'm not I, worried. I think, I'm just trying to. That's where like yeah. my mind goes, and it's like. I would. Who would you rather have on a team today? And that's I was doing straight comp is Demar Derozan or Paul George, and like a, a dominant Paul George is very very good for any team you put on. You can put him on thirty out of thirty teams. Yeah, but I think RJ has more team. like like, and, and this isn't a bash to Derozan because Derozan's so good offensively. Yeah. Um, but I think he has more overall game than Derozan does. I feel like at he's least potential wise, he's a better slasher. I feel like Derozan's got a great mid range. Like yeah. that's. DeRozan's fucking like PSD resistance is that mid range game is like mm-hmm. straight out the nineties. But, but even then, I think he has even an even better chance to become a better defender than DeRozan. Mm. Like I don't think we're just going to see like an offensive stud, like a yeah. one way monster like right. DeRozan, and then like defense. He's fine, but he's never okay. He's not. He's never like a top three yeah. defender on your team. Yeah. I think RJ again, like it, it's tough to say what he will become right. defending wise, oh, but yeah. he does have the again. We always talk about like those tools, and he does have those tools. Here's the last thing I'm going to say with this, and yeah. this is right now where they sit after six. If you look at all the stuff, if you want to throw out per 
offensive win share, defensive win share, win share in general, offensive rating, defensive rating, offensive BPM, defensive BPM, BPM in just general. All of these stats I just listed, Zion leads out of the three. Cam Reddish is second out of the three. RJ Barrett isn't dead last out of the three. And I know we're only six games in, but I mean, the thing with RJ Barrett compared to maybe a Cam Reddish is I think he's getting overlooked right now. But with RJ Barrett, it's going to, the question of is more always better going to be answered. And I say that because his usage is 35.6 compared to about 27.7 and 27.9 for the other two. Uh Sometimes more usage might not be better. And that's what might be proving this entire year when we start when we talk about these guys in a draft setting yeah i mean that's and that even shows with his field goal attempts mm-hmm. being at 20.8 uh, but even then he's still shooting you know 40 percent from the field and i think that'll go up a little bit too um i i just think that again with rj you're talking about more is less and you know i think there is an argument to be made there but i also think that you know we do need to see more from cam reddish mm-hmm. because he hasn't shown that ability where you know he he has talent he has skills without a doubt but also does he have that next level ability to be a number one for a team and if we're talking about number one pick which zion and rj were talking about before season he hasn't shown me that yet and although rj has struggled it has only been six games mm-hmm. and although he has struggled he has had some fucking phenomenal performances he went up in his first game in college and did that to that kentucky mm-hmm. team and no one was complaining about that. Everybody <laughs> loved it. Some people were saying it was a better performance than Zion. And yes, he's going to have you know rough games. He's going to have up and ups and downs. And obviously, right now he's in a bad stretch. Over the past four games, he's shot like thirty percent, I think, from the field, um, or a little under thirty-eight uh, percent from the field. Um, he hasn't been great, but also you know he can turn that around. We might see a week where he's putting up you know like thirty-five. So yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's going to be highs and lows with RJ Barrett. But his highs are going to have been much mm-hmm. higher than Cam Reddish's, and I don't know if Cam is ever going to hit those highs that RJ has hit so far. That's that's my biggest thing. Where you know Cam might be more consistent, but also RJ might have those higher peaks than than Cam will ever have. David, got any final thoughts? No, I think think that pretty much wraps up. I mean, like, we just we were so early into this college season. We got to just see it play. I want I want to watch them play so much more. I mm-hmm. need more than like one game a week. This is killing the college basketball. Like well, the tournament was great. It all the conference play, then but, we'll get into the consistent yeah. two three times a week. That's what I need. Jones in for it. I'm just I got the NBA schedule where we're just laying down game mm-hmm. after game after game right now. I'm just saying yeah. that with Duke coming to Notre Dame, I know it's a lot of money, guys. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But it could be well worth it. It could be well worth it. I'm just saying it could be really fun we to go. We could watch the number one, two, and three picks in the NBA draft play. Mm-hmm. Well, we could have <laughs> if we went to Indianapolis. Uh, final thing we will do, uh, just rank them right now. Mm-hmm. What do you think? One, one, one two, three. I'm going to save mine, go and check out the big board for mine. That's fine. Dave? I'm going to go Zion. I'm going to go RJ. And then I'm going to go Cam. So Zion, RJ. Everything Cam. I've said has been Cam better fit thirty out of thirty teams, but ranking special. Ranking about is different than mocking. Something something special. Yeah, about no, it's yeah, like big board, not like yeah. who you go oh. team wise. Oh, okay. Then yeah, yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. Zion, RJ, Cam. So Cam. also, um, I just did a final Zion crazy stat. Um, this is uh, 
from 2010 to 2011 to uh, 2018, 2019, uh, 20 minutes per game and a box plus minus of uh, 21. Uh, there is one person who's actually played uh, more than you know a decent amount of minutes, uh, 27 minutes, and uh, he's the only person that has uh-huh. has played over 20 minutes per game and has a box plus minus of 21. The kid's insane. Like it's just fucking stupid watching him yeah. and how good he is. Um, I, I. Ugh. I struggle with this because it's so hard to deny Zion's highlights. It, like, you look at the eye test, it's there. You look at the stats, it's there. It's tough to deny his abilities. And then you go back to the eye test again because you enjoyed it so much. Exactly. <laughs> like that's, um, that's what he does. And then you go back to the eye test when it's a little bit later at night. Oh, um, that's but, like, he's, I still have that worry about him being a number one scorer because I think he can be a, a superstar. But I, I think he'll be able to, you know, bend and twist his way of being a superstar, not in the superstar way of he's a number one player like a LeBron James, like a Kobe Bryant, um, you know, like, a, you know, Carmelo Anthony in his prime. Um, but I think he does have that ability to be a guy who's definitely in the limelight because of his talent. But I don't know if he's ever going to be that number one uh, star. I mean, it's been shown so far through his three-point percentage. If there's anything that does not stand out at all, it is his shot. Because I know some people are like, oh, my God, look, in that Kentucky game where he hit that three. Um, but since then, he has hit one three. Um, he's literally uh, one for seven from three since then. And he's not taking a ton of threes. He took one sh- uh, one three against Army, missed it. One three against Eastern Michigan, missed it. Took three threes against San Diego State, made one. Took one against Auburn, missed it. Took one against Gonzaga, missed it. He's not going to be ever a three-point shooter in my mind. I don't think he has that. He doesn't have that flow. He doesn't have that just natural like ability to come up and shoot a three. And that's something tough to learn because you need to gain that confidence. RJ clearly has that. Um, yeah. Even though his shot's not great, he does have that confidence to come up and hit those threes. He hit, hits those shots. Um, same with Cam Reddish. He can, you know, you know, ha- have a, a walk up three um, and in rhythm shoot it. He he has that ability to spot up Zion. It's a process to do so, and I don't think it's ever going to be knocked out of him. Maybe he can be more of a consistent spot up shooter, but I, I do worry about his ability to become an all around scorer. But his athletic ability is undeniable. So right now, after that long winded rant, mm-hmm. RJ Zion Cam can definitely change though, because. Um, Zion again is fucking insane. So yeah. mm-hmm. if if by our next mock draft he's the you know, number one pick on the board, I wouldn't be too shocked. And again, player ratings is different than a mock because yeah. I think when it comes to the mock, I probably will have Zion number one. But let us know what you think about Cam Reddish down in the comments. Do you think he is being overlooked? Do you think he is going to end up being you know the number one player uh, that some high executives are even uh, suggesting that he can be? Uh, and what do you think about R.J. Barrett? What do you think about? Zion Williamson and how those three have been playing together so far. They have been impressive. They're going to be a force in college basketball, um, especially when the uh, conference tournaments and uh, the conference play and the NCAA tournament pick up. But that's going to do it for the Fast Break Podcast. Check us out on patreon.com slash Podcast if you enjoyed this episode. Also check us out on Twitter at Pod, And finally, check us out on iTunes and give us a five-star rating if you have the time to do so. That's going to wrap it up for Dave Oster, for Ricky Wimmer. I'm Sean Anderson. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.